1: And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. Or one season or
0: long, in this case.
1: Very long! Some shows last longer than others even if they're canceled after only one season. This is a long one. We'll talk about that in a second. First but who off, are you? Intros! My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for the internet. I host this show. I host the po- critically acclaimed podcast as well. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney
0: Seibold, critic, member LAOFCS. Ooh. Actually, we're, bo- we're both members LAOFCS. Yeah, I just
1: don't put it at the end of my name like Esquire. <laughs> we we, maybe we should. Just put it really big
0: on our, our business cards. Yeah. Also, um, we need to get business cards. We should get new
1: business cards.
0: I, I am... A, also, a critic for the internet in general. I also co-host critically acclaimed, and uh, this this show and is this our... and th- this show is our baby. Yeah, this one's all us, baby. And uh, this week, boy, 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 oh, boy, baby,
1: we've got the grooviest. I think the grooviest slashed uh, funkiest show we've ever uh, uh, done. The, am I,
0: am I... the most damn stylish show. Yeah, the, where uh, one of the actors designed his own clothes, and in fact designed. Uh, both of the lead actors close, although he doesn't get a credit for the other lead actors.
1: I close. didn't actually know yeah. about that last time. That's fun. Um, so uh, if you were alive in the 70s, good for you. Uh, but I,
0: I was alive in the 70s.
1: You might remember that things <laughs> I'm were... I'm an s- old
0: man. Thank you, Whitney. I'm mm. trying to talk. I'm interrupting you. You are. Please introduce the show. You
1: might remember that in the 1970s, things were sexy. Oh, yeah. Everyone talked like this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was dancing around in groovy disco tacks, wearing big flared collars, and shooting bad guys. And no one did it sexier, or funklier, or shooting bad guyslier, <laughs> than Tony Curtis and Roger Moore in a little series called The Persuaders.
0: Take a pair of Playboys with nothing in common except trouble. A couple of bad guys, lots of fast cars, some nice girls, shootouts, action, romance, and lots of groovy dancing. Put them all together and you've got The Persuaders. There are six of them. Seth. You want to bet $100? You take a check. They don't come any funkier than this.
1: Roger Moore. Tony Gertz. I do all the wiring, all the thinking. All you have to do is take the
0: risk. All right,
1: I'm sorry, I apologize. The Persuaders, Monday at 10.30 on Nick at Night.
0: <laughs> on Nick at Night uh,
1: <laughs> They the don't per- come any funkier than this uh,
0: And it's The Persuaders with an exclamation point Yeah, not the just per- any Persuaders The Persu- no Persuaders Run! <laughs> Run your so, lives,
1: The Persuaders uh, The Persuaders aired in 1971 uh, From 1971 to 1972 mm-hmm. In America, it aired from September 18th, 1971 Through February 23rd, 1972 On ABC, opposite Mission Impossible Which, uh was not a good idea. Well, it kind of was because it was clever counter-programming. If you don't like this... People always say clever counter-programming. It never works. Well, it's true. All the the target demo is watching the other show.
0: (laughs) It's true. If you have the same target demo, I suppose it's not wise. But uh, if you're tired of the kind of steely team togetherliness of Mission Impossible, and the man from UNCLE isn't quite sexy enough
1: for you. Mm -hmm. And you want to watch, like, two millionaire snarky a-holes just stumble (laughs) into adventures and punch their way out. You had Tony Curtis and Roger Moore on The Mm -hmm. Persuaders.
0: And you know what? That's a niche they found, and they filled it to a T.
1: Filled it right up. Uh, This show also aired on ITV uh, in Britain. It was a pretty big hit in Europe. Yeah. Europe it's very well remembered, it's very fondly remembered. It aired in different markets in different ways. I've been reading about how like in Germany and a few other countries where they had to dub it. Mm. There was a lot of self-aware dubbing about like the fact that they were dubbing the show apparently, uh-huh. which makes it sound totally awesome and I kind of wish I could like <laughs> fully appreciate all of that. Oh. But in many respects, this is a very straightforward uh, adventure series, but this is a big-budget adventure series. There's a it, lot of locations, a lot of sets, a lot of big actors, a lot of adventures, and, again, two huge stars. Roger Moore, who was just about to become James Bond, but was already the saint. He was already in Maverick. This was a good time for Roger Moore. And Tony Curtis, who his career was on the downward slide, but he was still a big star and quite a big get for TV. Mm. He did a lot of episodes of TV. He didn't star in in a lot of TV shows. It mm. was this. He was in another Cancel Too Soon series called McCoy, which we'll try to track down at some point. But this was kind of his big
0: TV shot. And uh, I'll, I'll say this Tony Curtis, you know him from Something Like It Hot. You know yeah. him from Spartacus. You know Sweet him from Sweet Smell of Success, the Defiant ki- Ones. All kinds of great classic movies. He is a great actor. I will say categorically and perhaps bravely that I don't think he's ever been better. As a performer than he is in The Persuaders. I will say
1: I think he's been better as an actor. I think he's given more meaningful, uh, uh, important performances. Mm. When you think about the idea of The Persuaders is that you a As a star. As a movie star. You think about them as a movie star. I want to hang out with those guys. Uh I want to party with them. This is the this is the thing that I'm just like I totally get Roger uh, uh Tony Curtis's star power now. Mm. I always got Roger Moore's star power because it was James Bond. Of course I yeah, want to hang out we, with James Bond. We saw him with his charm knob. We've already seen his charm knob cranked up. Yeah, and Tony Curtis's charm knob and can we stop talking about that? <laughs> his charm knob. Yeah. Let's we'll <laughs> <stop laughs> talk about Tony Curtis's charm knob what, what, anymore.
0: What what do what do devices have now instead of a knob? Uh, just a, a slide bar. His charm yeah, slide his bar. His charm
1: slide bar was cranked to the to whatever that would be. Uh, but like I've seen him in like in some like it hot's perfect example where he's Ooh. supposed to be um, you know funny but also he does, and he alluring that. and attractive and you want to hang out with him and it's this, just his he, Cary Grant impersonation which is he always came across deliberately like, kind of lame in that movie it is but he always came across as someone as a, a guy who's doing Cary Grant mm-hmm. this feels like. Tony Curtis seems like the coolest guy in the world. yeah, he's always funny. He's always ready with a quip, but not like the quips we have nowadays where everything is ironic and detached. He's involved. He is amused by everything that happens to him, even if it's death defying, even if it's deadly. He is just like, "Well, what a great day this is he He walks into a room knowing everybody wants to have
0: sex with him. <laughs> And he is so, so strongly aware of that fact that he will approach everyone with that and wield it against them. He was 46 when he, when they shot this show, and he insisted on doing all of his own stunts and all his own fighting. There's, there's good a, stunts, and he And there's does. some good stuff. He does, like, flips and stuff where well, you actually see his face. You know it's not a stunt person. He one, does a lot of fencing. One of the early
1: episodes, I, I think it's the second episode, there's a shot. It's all one shot. Uh, Tony Curtis is, like, riding on the back of a truck, Uh and then the truck, like, drives by a wall. Tony Curtis jumps off the truck onto, like, a pipe and climbs the pipe up to the roof of the building. And it's clearly Tony Curtis. And it's one shot. <laughs>
0: I, oh, he was 46. It's really impressive, well, I, actually. I, I could not have done that at 16. I could never Much have, less have done 46. that. Much less 46. I
1: would have killed myself trying. Mm. Like, it's really uh, so. Yeah, thing he
0: did. And he does all of this while wearing tan leather coats mm-hmm. and driving gloves and coats with fringe. There's one episode where he wears... I. I don't know if it's crushed velvet or suede or leather. That's kind of like suede blue suede coat. Yeah, with like a with faded the, bit in the with back, with a faded bit in the back, oh, and like a, so one of those sweet. zippers down, like the like an off-center zipper. The clothing he, in
1: this show is a character unto itself. He, he looks like someone a denim factory would have a crush on. Yeah, like it's just like ooh, got to get me some of that. Like he's it, it, the whole point of this show, and I mean this quite literally mm-hmm. is that's sexy yeah that's sexy yeah, this yeah. is a fun time the, that's the, the entire thing it's laid back sexiness and to de- the point where the plot the show forgets about
0: the, it yeah i was about to say it's 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 so laid back to the point where it doesn't really have a premise well it does but it, then they it, just it, forget it it, it, it has a premise in the pilot and there's a character who's sort of their charlie uh, and yeah. what we'll, we'll get his the judge
1: yeah We'll talk uh, about the premises. I'll, but, yeah. I'll, I'll
0: lay all that out. For you. Uh, but I want to mention for before we get launch into the premise, uh, you know, mentioned it was really big overseas. And uh, if you look on Wikipedia, there's a list of all of the alternate titles it had in other countries. Ooh, what and do I want to read some of these. Um, in Chile, it was in Argentina and Chile, it was called Two Bold Characters. <laughs> In Belgium, it was called amicably, amicably Yours. Nice. In Denmark, it was called The Hapless Heroes. Nice. Uh, Estonia, it was called Crooks and Saints. No, okay. no doubt playing off of the saint. No doubt. Uh, in Finland, it was called Rascals and Saints.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: in Germany, it was just called Die Zwei, or The Two. <laughs> in Greece, it was called The Rivals. Okay. Hungary, this is really baffling, two spoons in every soup. <laughs> What? I imagine that alludes to some sort of that's, Hungarian That's phrase. some
1: sort of... That's got to be an expression. Iceland,
0: it was called Brothers in Arms. Uh, a lot of other countries, it was also called The Persuaders. In Italy, it was called Careful About Those Two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, granted, a lot of these are literal translations, probably. Yeah, yeah. I in, remember in J-
0: Japan, it was called Two Dandies, Brilliant Adventures.
1: Okay, that's the most accurate one um, of all. I remember reading that uh, in, I think it was Russia, uh-huh. uh, Die Hard wasn't called Die Hard. That doesn't mm-hmm. really translate... Uh, so it was called, he's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> there you go. And indeed, that's he a good is. I, I know old in, franchise. In,
0: in Japan, uh, Army of Darkness was called Captain Supermarket.
1: Which also makes yeah, sense. Um,
0: in, in Russia, the, the Persuaders was called Extra Class Amateur Detectives. <laughs> <laughs> in Sweden, it was called Snobar Som Jobar, or som, Snobar Som Jobar, which translates to snobs on the job.
1: That's also pretty that's also pretty. Yeah, that's a good In uh, Turkey,
0: it was called The Relaxed Ones. Mm. Uh, and in Yugoslavia, it was called
1: rivals. Yeah, they're, they're, they're rivals. Cl- they're kind a lot of rivals. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, mm. the persuaders. The persuaders was created by Robert S. Baker, uh, who who worked on uh, the Saint. Uh, he produced, I think, it was an MST3K movie, The Crawling Eye. <laughs> okay. So he had a long and very career uh-huh. It was also produced by super producer Sir Lou Grade mm-hmm. um, Who doesn't always get credit on everything he was a part of But Lou Grade brought us The Muppets uh, the Like, The Muppet Show. He mm. brought us The Dark Crystal. He worked a lot with Jim Henson. Um, he he did uh, The Prisoner. He did Thunderbirds. Um, he was a big, 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 big producer.
0: I, I can't wait until we get to some of the Jerry Anderson stuff on this show. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll
1: get to it. We'll I'm sure it's it. only a matter of time. Now, the basic premise of The Persuaders, which, again, they forget about quickly. Uh, and the pilot episode, which is called Overture, which shows like, how big this is going to get. <laughs> Uh, We're introduced to Danny Wilde, an American millionaire, played by Tony Curtis. Mm -hmm. He's an an oil billionaire. (laughs) And Lord Brett Sinclair, an old money millionaire, Mm. uh, played by Roger Moore, who's, of course, from Britain. And what we find out is that they're both rich, womanizing a-holes... Who only care about themselves, and they've developed all of these skills. Like you know, Danny Well built himself up. Like we learn later, like from nothing, from the streets. Yeah, so, and he was like a ragamuffin, and then so he
0: he knows how to fight because he learned to fight like on the on the hard streets of Brooklyn.
1: And he has a lot of like stories about learning how to break into places and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. he's a, he's a tough guy. Uh, and Lord Brett Sinclair, uh, bless excuse you. me. Uh, Lord Brett Sinclair had nothing but time, so he became like a race car driver mm. and now all this cool stuff. Because He, co- he collects he, hobbies. Yeah, he collects hobbies. <laughs> and when we meet them in the beginning, they're both <laughs> staying at the same hotel, and they both hate each other, and it turns out they've both been invited to this hotel by a character named Judge Fulton, played by Lawrence Naismith, uh, from Diamonds Are Forever, Village of the Damned, The mm. Night to Remember, Camelot, I think it was in The Three Lives of Thomasina. If, if you've seen any British shot film from like the, the 60s, the 60s and, 70s and
0: 70s, you've probably seen him.
1: Yeah, um, and his whole thing is... He was a judge, and he kept running into people who obviously did the crime, but got off on a technicality. Mm.
0: So what he has decided to do... <laughs> I love that you're, you're describing this, and it's reminding me of what the show is supposed right? to be. Right? Because yeah.
1: this is not hardly ever mentioned ever again. The whole point is... There's a whole bunch of people who, you know, they got off on technicalities, the way the criminal justice system works. He wants to work just outside the law and convince these two guys who are overqualified for everything mm. but are selfish a-holes to do the dirty work and try to get them arrested again. Mm. That's the idea. Problem is that they would never do anything for anyone else, so he has to frame them, and he gets them in a position, and he has this big speech about how nitro and glycerin, separately, they are nothing, put them together, and boom! And then we're introduced <laughs> to fucking Roger Moore and Tony Curtis, who... Who aren't nitro and glycerin. They're like They're like... Stripes and polka dots, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just slick jerks, and so like they, they run into each other randomly. They get into a car chase randomly, and then they, they find in- out they're in the same hotel randomly, and then so they, they have a bar fight. There's a huge bar fight, and the bar fight is over nothing. They can't agree on like the, how many olives you put in a Creole scream, which yeah, is a beverage, I guess. Nitro
0: nitro and glycerin.
1: Yeah, they, they get into a bar fight over a cocktail. To be fair, uh-huh. that bar fight is epic. Oh, it's great. They destroy that place.
0: That is huge. <laughs> but because they're high profile millionaires, they can't be caught in a scandal having trashed a bar. That's
1: the premise. But that's let the me pre- so, that's pretty weak because so the whole the judge, thing is you're going to go to jail for like 60 days and I'm like, "We'll pay the fu- we're millionaires." I'll just pay the way The whole premise of the show is that rich and powerful and sneaky people don't go to jail because they have good lawyers. We're millionaires. We not we're not threatened by this, but of course they are for because the show has to get started and the po- the plot of the first episode is the judge needs them to confirm the identity of a young, sexy person.
0: There's a young, sexy person in every episode. At least one. There's, one. Like some, some pretty young lady.
1: Yep. The, the Bond girl uh, concept, for example, that, transferred over. There's always an attractive co-star mm-hmm. um, who is either, who's romantically involved with one or both of them over, over the course of the yeah. episode. Um, and in this case, they're trying to find out if this young lady has, like, a heart-shaped tattoo on the small of her back. Mm-hmm. And to the show's credit... They they flirt with her, but they find out really really quickly by just dropping something and seeing her like she bends over, yeah, and, and then, then they, they just see the small back they, It's, it's yeah. just she's wearing a bikini. She just see it. Boom! It, mm-hmm. it seems like it's over, but it turns out it's all part of this really elaborate plot of mm-hmm. this guy who faked his own death, and this lady is his sister, I think. And he's but, trying to like yeah. he's being really protective of her, and the, the judge is actually using Danny and Brett. <laughs> to kind of mm. flush the guy out through fits of, like, Scarface-like jealousy. Mm. It's actually That's... not much of a story. Uh, well, the whole you're... point we're here for Roger Moore and Tony Curtis to basically flirt with each other. Uh, more or less. The,
0: the, these two have such great crep- chemistry together, mm. and they know what kind of roles they're playing, and they're both such professional actors that they find their relationship mm. really quick, super, super soon. And there's episodes where they have to impersonate one another there's episodes where they discuss one another's sex lives they walk you know, on in on each other in mm-hmm. bed and there's, there's an episode where they're trying to like date
1: of, identical
0: twins together there's a lot of erotic tension between these two men
1: there's it's interesting persuaders was more of a cult hit than anything else it did only mm-hmm. last one season um but you know it has a high profile dvd release and when the dvd came out uh, Roger Moore and Tony Curtis, who are sadly no longer with us, they were still alive, and they did some interviews. Mm. Um, and it's actually really interesting. Uh, I found this one on uh, The Independent. Oh, cool. Um, where they were talking about you know a lot of different things about whether or not they got along. Some people said they didn't. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they, even they disagree. They liked each other fine. The question is, did we get along swimmingly, or was no. there any tension because they had different acting styles? One story, I guess, is true, is um, Tony Curtis got Roger Moore to quit smoking over the course of the show, okay, Roger, uh, Tony Curtis was very anti-smoking, and like, when mm-hmm. they met, Roger Moore was talking about how I went over to Tony Curtis's house, and I asked him, could I smoke? And he opened all the windows, turned on all the fans, and dropped a <laughs> book in front of me with pictures of lung cancer. <laughs> but then the irony was, once they started filming, Tony Curtis was arrested at the airport for bringing marijuana with him, and apparently he smoked <sighs> marijuana a lot. It's not the same thing. It's really not. It's a different kind of health danger. If, if, but if, it's damned ironic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Oh, that's really funny.
1: Um, The premise of the show was basically they just wanted to do, like, a freewheeling adventure series. But it's funny that they came up with this whole elaborate premise about how these guys would never do the right thing. They would never work together. They mentioned that in one other episode. And there's a couple other episodes. The judge who gives them their cases is only in, like, seven of the 22 episodes, if that. I think think more than
0: that. But, yeah. It's not a lot. It's not the majority. He is not always the instigator of action. And even when he is, it's really loose. Yeah. It's like, hey, we found this guy. Maybe you should look into him. Um, the plotting is too far too elaborate because they they find some sort of case and they solve it, and then there's always like a, an epilogue or a third act, which is completely unnecessary. To it the just episode. wraps
1: everything up. I miss part of it. Everything's wrapped up.
0: Oh wait, now we have to go take care of this other thing, or this is a big twist, and that could be the end of the episode. But then there's another twist after that mm-hmm. that is unneeded. It's like the first twist was enough.
1: Yeah, we're good. But the thing is, is that, again, the whole thing is we have this whole idea that we'll never do the right thing. Mm. More than half the episodes is they stumble into adventure. In fact, Mm. the second episode, Mm -hmm. called The Golden Napoleon, and we're going off of, uh, they aired in different orders in different places. Uh We're going to go off of the order that's on the DVD. Yeah. Just for yeah. the sake of argument, they aired in different ways, different places, but this is where we're going to go. Which I, go- I think the DVD is U.S. broadcast order. I think so as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Golden Napoleon mm-hmm. uh, co-stars Susan George. And if yeah. you see Susan George in a movie, you know something bad is going to happen to Susan George. <laughs> Susan George Never gets out of a movie. Okay. Doesn't fucking matter uh. if, if if she's going to Japan and it's haunted by samurai ghosts. That's a real movie. Doesn't matter if it's or a Tiger Shark, where it's all about an open sexual relationship and then... And Susan George gets eaten by a shark. Susan George is never okay. And the second I saw Susan George at the beginning of this episode, mm. which opens with, like, all of them at a beach. And then Tony yeah, Curtis, and, like, runs and into and Susan cor- George.
0: Court, d- court
1: Yeah. Uh, 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 Tony Curtis just runs into Susan George, starts flirting with with Susan George. I'm like, oh, okay. I wonder how long we have to wait for something bad to happen to Susan George. Mm -hmm. One minute later, she is sniped by a scuba diver. (laughs) (laughs) That's how the second episode begins. That's an opening. Uh And it turns out she's all part of this elaborate scheme to import gold Mm -hmm. uh, into the country illegally as intentionally phony coins. Right. The idea is that you know there's some there's some like weird thing about how you it costs a lot of money to import gold, but it doesn't cost a lot of money to import antiques. It does cost a lot of money if they're real antiques, but if they're fake antiques, everyone's just like, well, who gives a shit? Hmm. A weird, elaborate loophole. So they get involved in this huge thing. There's a big car chase at the end, uh, and it's all about who's got the fake gold that's really gold. Hmm. Kind of weird and elaborate, but again, they just stumbled into that. The judge doesn't show up; they just run into Susan George. Susan George gets shot.
0: They they assume that for a second that Danny was meant to be shot, Mm -hmm. and I guess it kind of makes sense that someone would try to assassinate a rich person because maybe he's into some sort something illegal.
1: No, I mean, also he had a life of crime when he grew up. Like there's a million reasons. We run into an old friend of his in a future episode who was a hitman. You know, mm -hmm. like there's there reasons to kill Danny. He he
0: has a, a shady past, so. But no, turns out she was the target after all. Yep, that's part of this weird uh, scheme. Anyway, there's 24 episodes of this, and it took us a long time to watch these. Yes, uh, sometimes as, they blur together a bit. As, yeah, so I, as we uh, and I watched a lot of them late at night, so mm. I, I have like a cheat sheet in front of me to remind me of what episode was which.
1: Same here. Uh, <coughs> the thing with the with the persuaders, mm. watch. Well, I'm gonna say there's two things with the persuaders. One is they never really do much persuading. That's true. It's a they really don't. bad title. Like, it makes no sense. Mm. There, it's not even like because the whole point of the pilot is to persuade them to do things, but only one guy is persuading them. Mm. They usually, kinda, there's actually a premise here: the persuader, and it's all about a guy who persuades people to do the right thing, even if it's against their own self interests. Mm. There's this whole story there, yeah. but this is just rich. Like, half the episodes, they're walking around the woods and they stumble into a corpse. Yeah, that two, happens multiple times. Two, two dandy guys' wild adventure is a more accurate title. Yeah, uh, but the other thing <clears throat> about the persuaders is that. This is a long show Not just the number of episodes Because there are 24 of them Mm. It's 50 minutes Nowadays a typical Quote unquote hour long TV show If you watch it without commercials it was only about 40 minutes Mm. It's 50 minutes And there's a lot of padding There's a lot of just hanging out Walking around And it's fun to watch Roger Moore And Tony Curtis Just banter back and forth But when there's a plot There's like maybe 20 minutes of plot In most of these episodes It's really just You can kind of check out and like, do a mm-hmm. crossword puzzle and, and then look your head up again, and they're pretty much where you left off. And uh, there, there's a lot of scenes where like, plot is advanced,
0: but it's advanced in like little dribs and drabs. Mm-hmm. So, like, Tony Curtis and Roger Moore will be hanging out at his big palatial estate, which is, you know, brightly colored and, you know, set decorated to within an inch of its life and it looks really awesome. Yeah. And you can, it's like stepping into a martini. And all of a sudden, The door will burst open and, like, it'll be the Raymond Chandler thing. Two guys with guns enter and they take something from Roger Moore and they punch him and he says something really witty. And when they leave, he says, ah, but they didn't take the real thing. And that'll be, like, a plot point, but it won't really instigate them to, like, rush out and start chasing or to do something. They'll just continue on with their lives until the bad guys come in again to provide another
1: plot point. The actual premise of the show, once you remove the pilot, is basically when Roger Moore and Tony Curtis feel like it, they do stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of it. When they're amused by something, they're, they get involved. And, and they, they, they,
0: they can do action, and you know they look good doing it. There's a scene in the second episode where they're nearly run down by a Fiat. They're on this like outdoor patio, mm-hmm. and they're drinking little tiny cups of coffee. And they see a car coming. Oh, you think that car is going to run us over? Oh, definitely. And it starts charging through the tables and the chairs and knocking furniture. They get up out of the way taking their coffee with them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to waste
0: coffee. They, they kind of step aside. They take their drinks with them and they watch it charge by. Yeah, they were trying to kill us. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see who those people were, won't we? It's like, like they don't, they're they are not really moved to do any, they're lazy guys.
1: <laughs> well, they're, they're lazy, but they're unflappable and we, yeah. we kind of respect that. Uh, the next episode, honestly, just kind of flew by me. It's mm. um, uh, a guy who returns from the dead. He was a long lost heir to a fortune. Mm. Everyone thought he was dead. Turns out he's not dead, and his sister, who did inherit everything, kind of gets involved with Roger Moore and Tony Curtis, mm. and tries to prove that this guy is a phony. But what a twist! Mm. She's the phony. She yeah, was the phony the whole time. Well, and it was a big fight. The I, end.
0: I guess I kind of appreciate that twist because there are a lot of creepy shots of this guy like staring at her through a window, and you're not sure if he's going to kill her and try to take the fortune. And it turns out he was the real guy, and he's staring
1: at her evilly because she has usurped the throne. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's kind of a nothing episode. It's not a lot to talk about in it. Um, the next episode is kind of fun though. Green sleeves. Mm. In this episode. Uh Lord Brett Sinclair, Roger Moore's character, goes to one of his properties and finds out there's a whole bunch of people there. And he doesn't know why. And it turns out they're actually using the property for a big political uh, mm. uh, secret meeting with the ruler of an African nation. And unfortunately, Lord Brett Sinclair is like AWOL. Mm. Like no one knows where he is. So they need to hire a uh, Roger a Moore impersonator to uh. impersonate Roger Moore. And they hire Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. He, he gets he, himself hired as a guy impersonating mm. himself, and then uh, uh, Tony Curtis gets himself hired as his British butler. Mm. I, that's all you need to know. That's a fun. That's a fun <laughs> episode, right you know there. That,
0: that's a, a premise for another show, is what that is. Yeah. Um, Tony Curtis cannot do a British accent. He tries nope. several times throughout the show. <laughs> he just falls back on that Cary Grant voice. He does in Some like it hot, and it's hilarious. But it's not as hilarious as Roger Moore's American accent. <laughs> no. God,
1: not. Roger Moore, I want to say this right now. You can see it a couple of times in The Persuaders. Roger Moore fancies himself an actor. Roger Moore is Roger Moore. He's good at Roger Moore. He's good at playing Roger Moore. I will happily pay him to be Roger Moore. He's but not that's, an, that's an actor. Of,
0: that's, that's like the one role he can play really, really well is playing Roger Moore. <laughs> And, you know, when he steps—oh, God, I think this might be the episode where he steps onto screens meeting some guy at a lakeside. And, first of all, the coats are an an additional character in this show, Mm -hmm. uh, which Roger Moore designs himself. And I think it is in this episode where he has to meet somebody by a lakeside. It's called a A Cold, Damp Day in England. And the guy's sort of sitting there in his really nice tweed coat. And Roger Moore flounces in, and he's wearing a pure white coat. That goes down to his ankles, an ankle-length trench, white trench coat, mm-hmm. uh, probably a wool white trench coat with a collar that is whiter than his shoulders. Like he could take off with this gigantic 1970s collar, and you see him adjust it a little bit, and you see inside that it is lined in purple silk. <laughs> I want to have sex with this coat. That, that, is, that is coat. one sexy ass coat. I
1: there's a whole. Tell you. There's a whole coat culture. There are certain mm. shows and movies where you just... you walk, Like Hannibal. But look Hi. at Hannibal. Most of Hannibal takes place in the winter, and everyone's got fabulous coats. Wonderful, wonderful coats. I want to see the coats from Hannibal fight the coats from The Persuaders. <laughs> That's a fight.
0: <laughs> the next yeah, episode... His, his white number lined in purple silk just made me salivate.
1: The next episode is called Power Switch, which is a great <laughs> title that probably doesn't mean anything. Or it's like a lost
0: DC superhero.
1: Uh, so... This is an episode about uh, a, a mysterious drowning...
0: And oh, yeah, this opens with the, drow- the water skiing
1: scene. There's a, there's a water skiing accident, and the guy drowns, and uh, Roger Moore and Tony Curtis are kind of just like, and he drowned, whatever, mm. but then the detective on the case is so obtuse mm. and so refusing to even look at the hint of evidence that this might be foul play <sighs> that they get a bug up their butt, and mm. they decide, well, we're going to find out who did it, and then after they leave, the guy, the detective, who is just obviously being willfully mm. ignorant, walks up to the judge From the pilot episode Mm. And the judge is just like Yes, I had to get you to use the reverse psychology on them Or they never would have gotten an adventure They do that every week now (laughs) They're the kind of guys who would do that Just because they're curious Uh That's the whole episode And and
0: here's the question You know, these guys kind of hate each other But they're good friends now Yeah, they're they're just they have a friendship over the course of
1: the season. They start referring to each other as best friends. And yeah,
0: and now they're just sort of hanging out and like the show opens with them water skiing together. And you realize why? Why are these guys just sort of hanging out water skiing? Don't they have, like, Teddy Wilde has they, a job. Like, no, they don't. They have nothing. Well, he All has they a do. Business, he
1: has a company. Like,
0: has that was the whole premise. He has a company, but some, clearly somebody else is running it. Well, He's wealthy enough to get, you know, these fabulous blue suede coats and driving gloves. And he just sort of, they're just sort of rich assholes who travel around the world doing fun crap. And it's as, as it turns out, crimes sometimes fall in front of them. It happens. So they're just water skiing now. Like, by by episode five, we're done with the premise. We're just gone the The judge does show up and says, "Hey, investigate this occasionally, but they're more or less just doing whatever they do, and you realize what their lives are, yeah, these two rich guys one's a one's a British aristocrat, one's a an American billionaire, one's British one's American. will they get along? They're already good friends, yeah." And they do what we always assume rich people do in their spare time. Which Solve is, mysteries. No, just nothing. They do nothing. <laughs> they just hang around beaches. They ogle hot chicks. They seduce people at the drop of a hat. They spend, they spend a lot of money doing fun stuff. But here's the and thing. And never have a job to worry about. Here, here, That's
1: what you always dream about being a rich person is. But here, the funny thing is, though, when we, we fantasize about... What? Uh, affluence. Who doesn't? Who mm-hmm. doesn't? At the very least, I saw this study once about how the correlation between having money and happiness, and there mm-hmm. is a correlation up to a point. Yeah. If, you're, don't if so you don't have so much... don't have to worry about bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, up until the point where you no longer have to worry about paying your bills every month. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know that they'll get paid, you get happier the more money you have. After that, it plateaus. Mm-hmm. You don't actually need more money than that. That's... Happiness is, is... That's all there is to it. So what we have here is a show about guys who are so affluent... They don't need to do anything, Mm -hmm. and they end up kind of accidentally doing the right thing a lot. (laughs) That's the fantasy here. This is this one percent fantasy where we're going to be so rich we might as well do the right thing. We may as well be (laughs) the mystery machine, is what it is.
0: Um, And we don't see a lot of shows about that now, just because rich people are proving themselves more and more to be such jerks. Yeah, but yeah, there there was a time when that and i think james bond taps into this a lot cuz james bond is always really well dressed he drives the hottest cars he's a hard working spy he's got to go climb up mountains and shoot people but yeah the biggest lure of the james bond fantasy is that he's very comfortable yeah he's comfortable and he's capable and he's macho
1: yeah <laughs> nothing is a problem for james yeah. bond like yeah. that's
0: we we don't care about the character of james bond we want to be james bond mostly. that's, that's yeah. the appeal of james bond and yeah. i think this takes that aspect of james bond and I can I can hammer on James Bond because it stars a future James Bond, <laughs> right. Uh, and takes away the danger. These guys are sometimes in danger. Bad guys kidnap them. They, they do get involved in gunplay. But there's never any sense that they're hanging on by their fingernails. Yeah. That they really need to do any of this. That they're, they're only scared two,
1: for their lives. That almost never they're happens.
0: They're never scared for their lives. They scold each other when they get in danger. It's like, I was tied to a chair. He could have shot me. Yeah, but you got out. We're okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about as far as it goes. And that's charming.
1: It's charming. It's not very suspenseful. Well,
0: it makes the show really fun to watch. But yeah, it, it makes the plot so loose that you get kind of unfocused after a while. This
1: is not a show that was intended to be binged definitely there's, not. there's no driving this is like this is like a uh, I, I don't know This is like a cognac At the end of the day You're supposed mm. to have Like one of these A day tops
0: It's it's, it's an after dinner wine It's, it's like Nothing, nothing I, but after dinner wine
1: It's one of the reasons Why it was kind of hard To get through it all In the time Because we wanted To review this last week And we couldn't get through it all Part mm. of it is because It's hard to stay motivated To watch it all After a while like, And that's the episode <laughs> and, and,
0: and I and can it, take it or leave it And as we already said In our last uh, In the last episode Of Cancel Too Soon This was 24 full episodes Which yeah. is a lot and, and
1: About 24 hours Of watching TV yeah.
0: But yeah This, this is Came from a time when uh, an hour of TV was 52 minutes yeah. when you take out the ads, as opposed to modern shows, which have a lot more time for advertising.
1: Anyway, the next episode gets pretty ambitious. It's called mm. The Time and the Place. It's one of several episodes mm. in which they're wandering through the woods and stumble into a corpse. Oh. Uh-huh.
0: well, they're, a lot. they're They're driving through the woods and they see legs. <laughs>
1: they
0: <laughs> yeah, see, they, they see a sexy girl. They
1: stop for a sexy girl. Oh. Danny Wilde uh, uh, walks off a bit, finds a corpse, runs and gets uh, uh, Lord Brett Sinclair. Sinclair. And when they get back, the corpse is gone. Uh-huh. And <laughs> what I like is that. Lord Brett Sinclair and Danny Wilde like each other enough to know that they wouldn't make this shit up. And they also yeah. know that this shit happens to him literally every week. Mm. So when it's well, kind of strange, I guess we better look into that. Yeah, when Danny says he finds a corpse, I was like, Well, I believe you, but what are we supposed to do? There's no corpse now. That's uh-huh. the issue. He's like, I believe you. I just what am I supposed to do with this now? Oh. There's a moment where he's like, Are you sure? Yeah, good enough for me. Uh- We're good. <laughs> it turns out it was the corpse of a journalist who had been investigating a coup d'etat.
0: A, a corrupt politician who is trying to take over the government.
1: Yeah, corrupt politician, a bunch of uh, uh, rich a-holes who have teamed up, and they're going to commit a political assassination in the middle of a talk show about, like, <laughs> why being we— It's shot, d- like, nearby. Yeah! It's, like, just out in this country estate somewhere. I'm not entirely sure. I think this is the episode mm. where I first started noticing— the lampshades.
0: <laughs> I'm not hundred percent sure. Been I didn't tweeting
1: make... pictures of the lampshades. Okay. So, this I, I...
0: this is definitely an episode where it has the man in the Totoro skin coat. <laughs> okay. Here's
1: I'm the, telling thing, the, I, the coat game is on point. I man. did not th- I did not realize at the time how important these lampshades would be, so I didn't jot down like mm. when I noticed them. Um, you know like how on some shows they'll like reuse the same set over and over mm. again? Just for save money. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, or they'll
0: park the same cars in the background of every shop.
1: Yeah, you'll recognize little things being mm. used over and over again. And it's clearly just a time or cost saving measure. Mm. And, and Bob's your uncle. The Persuaders was a huge production. They shot it over like a year and a half and there are locations <laughs> everywhere. There are car chases, mm. fancy automobiles, awesome locales, flew all over Europe and they cheaped out on the lampshades. Sets. <laughs> this is what, no, just the lampshades. So like every like couple of episodes, if you watch closely, not on the same set, not like at Lord Brett Sinclair's apartment, mm. but like a different office or, or a, a, a different apartment you see the same two lampshades and they look like the 60s puked on the 70s
0: it is <laughs> it is a it's a lime green lampshade yeah. with big they almost look like tentacle sucker shaped orange rings yeah. on them with like big swirly colors inside those orange
1: colors rings. that do not go together in anyone's estimation.
0: Like, even the movie Speed Racer would say, oh, yeah,
1: No, don't do that. (laughs) Like, you look at the He-Man cartoon, which I believe was actually designed by people who were colorblind. That's what it looks like.
0: They were. Yeah. They were the colorists on a lot of those old Filmation cartoons were colorblind. Yeah.
1: So, like, the colors just don't really quite go together in an organic way.
0: You'd just be like, no, don't do that. That looks Mm. looks weird. If if you watch the old Star Trek cartoon show, you'll notice that there's a lot of, like, bright pink ships and aliens in pink suits. Yeah. It's because the colorist was colorblind. He didn't see pink. <laughs> so unusual. In any case, looks like a different color,
1: right? I I I don't have all the reasons to back that up, I believe it. Oh. Like in any case, these lampshades are the ugliest lampshades in the world. They're so distinctive. They're not just like normal lampshades where you would mm. never think to say, like, oh, that's the same it's, lamp. It's
0: like a terracotta bowling pin it's, lamp, something that would, yeah, you your, your to, eye would be drawn to. You it. have
1: to go out of your way to buy those lampshades. And people <laughs> would make fun of you for owning them. But everyone has them. Mm. It's insane. I realize I'm lampshading the lampshades. Oh, God. Ah. Ah. But it drove me up the wall. Anyway, the next episode.
0: uh, (laughs) But but yeah, one of the bad guys in this one is wearing a a, a wool coat that is like the thickest. It's like somehow you laid two chinchillas on top of each other and made a coat out of it.
1: The next episode is called Someone Like Me. And Mm. I love this episode. uh, Not so much for the episode itself, Mm. but for the setup for the episode. The setup for the episode is... Mm. Roger and Danny, who I guess live together now? We never see Danny's apartment. They're always at Lord Brett Sinclair's. I guess, yeah, Danny. Well, I don't think Danny has a place. Yeah, I think he lives with Lord Brett Sinclair. I think they're they're swinging bachelors, wild and crazy guys. I
0: think he is such a, a wealthy adventurer that he just stays in a different hotel every night. Yeah, He goes camping. He's got all this equipment at the ready. I don't know where he keeps it. Maybe he's got warehouses all over the world. There you go. But, uh, or maybe just has it mailed, maybe just buys it new
1: every time. He's just that wealthy. The episode begins, someone like me, with Roger Moore saying, well, we've got to get all this stuff to the jumble sale. I have to get, there's Uh an annual jumble sale, and it's really important to Lord Brett Sinclair. This British aristocrat essentially goes to a swap meet. Really, Mm. really, really important. And along the way, he gets kidnapped and like tricked It's like the ending of Captain America the First Avenger Where he thinks he's in a hospital But he's actually like in this uh-huh. weird location And it turns and out they've actually created An exact double of Roger Moore Using comf- sophisticated plastic surgery effects Or did or they? have
0: they? Is it, it turns out they. So Danny Wilde's investigating this guy And he hears about all of this like sophisticated uh, uh, Plastic surgery All of this like things you can do to alter somebody So he begins to assume there's a double around Turns out that's not the
1: case. They Turns out they've they,
0: they Manchurian-candidated him, and he thinks he's two people.
1: And Ratoni Curtis has to fight Roger Moore. Mm.
0: Has to fight the evil half of Roger Moore. Uh, I, I was really, really hoping that there were two Roger Moores in this episode. I'm kind, of, kind of upset that they did the Manchurian-candidate twist. We do, eventually,
1: we do eventually get multiple Roger Moores in one episode.
0: This is true. We but, do get that. But I wanted two identical Roger Moores just for the line of dialogue. Shoot him! He's the impossible! which is one of my favorite lines of
1: dialogue from anything that they that is often repeated then kill us both spock (laughs) the next episode is called anyone can play danny Uh decides to go gambling and it turns out his foolproof system for how to like cheat at roulette mm-hmm. is actually the exact same code word <laughs> as Russians who were trying to get counterfeit money from the gambling casino. Total coincidence! And then everyone thinks Danny's a Russian spy and he has to fake it and there's like a train heist or some shit. Well, oh,
0: yeah, like they, they assume he's their Russian contact, so he has to pretend to, he knows nothing of the plot. No, but, he's just trying but to get through a, it. And he puts on like a Russian accent in one scene, I think, and he's just not good at it. And yeah, it comes down to there's a big Train heist, and he's like, okay, we're gonna do this heist. And my favorite my favorite scene in this episode, and one of my favorite Danny Wilde moments, is where he tries to stall the Russian spies. And he tries to give these like this completely improvised speech about how great it is to be a Russian comrade.
1: This this is one of two episodes in which Danny Wilde is mistaken for some sort of international man of intrigue and has <laughs> to pretend to be that guy and just kind of fake it throughout the whole episode. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. The next episode is called "The Old, The New, and the Deadly." This, this one is the stars the Falcon episode. Basically, this is this one stars Patrick Troughton, one of the Doctors from yeah. Doctor Who. Well, he was the second Doctor, I Who. believe. So, I I know this because
0: I played him. Oh, that's right. I I played him in a, <laughs> in, a, in, a in a friend's fan film. Uh, our, our friends, uh, the Brad and Athena, put together a film called "The Doctor Games," where all of the Doctors from the doc- throughout history Doctor had Who to kill each other and the Hunger Games. And anyway, all, f- all of the doctors up to that point had to get together and murder one another. I'm and I, sure and I played f- Patrick Troughton
1: in that one. I, I'm pretty, what, what happens again? Don't you get like strangled to death? Uh, by uh, number
0: four's scarf. Yeah, He whips it around my neck and breaks my neck. That's
1: a fun short film. Yeah. Actually, I, it should I got, still be on YouTube. You should check that out. Still, the doctor game. It's
0: still on YouTube. It was pretty well watched when it came out a couple of years back. And uh, I had the most elaborate stunt in that short film. <laughs> Did you? Well, they, they, I was whipped, like I was grabbed around the neck from behind by the scarf and I had to be yanked backward onto my back. Oh Nobody else got to do anything like that. They were all just sort of running around.
1: All right. Uh, so this episode mm. stars Patrick Troughton as a Nazi. Yep. And he's trying to uh, retrieve a Nazi artifact, which it turns out was signed by Adolf Hitler. Autographed. Autographed. Personalized. No, Indiana Jones has his, his autograph, too, in that Grail diary. <laughs> uh Danny Wilde is in the lobby of some place. Someone drops the artifact. Danny helps pick it up. Not No idea what it is. Someone drops their bird. Uh-huh. And so he picks Oh, here you go. Someone takes a photograph, and it looks like Danny Wilde owns the bird. Mm-hmm. So everyone's after Danny to get this bird. He has no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and so there's a ton of assassination attempts on Tony Curtis's life. And every single time it interrupts Roger Moore as he's trying to get laid. That's the gag. Half the episode is someone tries to kill Tony Moore. Roger Moore has to leave the company of the... Tony Curtis. Sorry, someone tries to kill Tony Curtis. Roger Moore has to leave the company of of some latest damsel, ruining his chances with her. This is That's kind of, most of the show. And
0: this is kind of the the... the soul of the Persuaders right here. Yeah. One of them is a charming dandy trying to get laid. The other one just runs into some sort of stupid intrigue by chance. Yeah. And they the two interrupt one another. This
1: has my favorite... I think my favorite gag in the whole show, which is when uh, someone's trying to slap Roger Moore uh-huh. and Roger Moore ducks and they just slap Tony Curtis instead. But rather than correct <laughs> themselves and re-slap Roger Moore, they're uh. just like, I got what I wanted and they just walk <laughs> out. That happens like twice. <laughs> it's very funny Mm. all right the next episode
0: i i'm guessing roger moore like he doesn't do his own stunts i guess probably not he he does fight and i'm i'm not he probably does his own fist fighting i'm sure he does some of
1: his stunts but like none none of the big stuff but nothing
0: the way danny wilde does danny wilde is well wild i get it and uh (laughs) i know pretty obvious there Mm. and uh I'm guessing Roger Moore, he's such a classy guy. Mm. Just a, a fine upstanding British gentleman who's so concerned with fashion. You know his hair is immaculate. Yeah. He he gets to sign his own label over the credits. Yeah,
1: he, the, the credits are signed by Roger Moore. And he had his own
0: design label at the time and okay. he, he got to design all of the clothes for all of these people. It's dead sexy clothing. He's it's he was kind of an odd choice, well a good and a bad choice for James Bond. Mm. because he has the the dandiness of it the the manner of it but it's, he seems like a guy who doesn't want to get dirty yeah He's not—like, there's an episode where they well, go camping, and he kind of laughs at Dan. Why would you want to go camping? It's well,
1: You're going, go, 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 going to get dirt
0: under your fingernails.
1: Different, Do you know different James Bonds focus on different aspects of the James Bond character. One of the mm. reasons I think Sean Connery is considered, to this day, the ultimate James Bond is because he kind of had a little bit of everything. He I, I was think, suave. Think, he was big with the mm. fisticuffs. He took it seriously when he needed to, mm. but mostly he was unflappable. When I, Rutger, I, think, I think Pierce Brosnan has that, too, but I'm in the minority. Well, uh, Pierce Brosnan had that sort of young, giddy glee to it, mm-hmm. I think. Um, if you feel like he's he's he feels like he's getting away with something, he's lucky to be doing this. Uh-huh. Roger Moore. He's fine with this. I don't get away with doing it. I'm doing it because I'm Roger Moore. You talk about the aspirational quality of James Bond and how we want to be. We want to be Roger Moore's James Bond. <laughs> That's true. He's just, he's the guy. The who, comfortable like, James Bond. We don't. Nobody wants to be Daniel Craig. He's the guy who, like, you, know, you throw, like, a poison, like, a black mamba in his bed in a hotel, and he kills it, and then someone comes in and screams, and says, oh, yes, I should have told you, never go in that room without a mongoose. What? Like, he <laughs> just has that in his back pocket, waiting for the moment to use that line. Like, that's how unflappable he is. And then Timothy Dalton was more steely, and mm. uh, uh, Daniel Craig is more tortured. But they're all different facets of the character. Roger Moore is the unflappable version. Yeah. And I, I think that's why they chose him. They were going mm. in that direction. Um, but episode, I, I, but it, it, I do
0: find it curious that in an action-adventure show, one of the two leads <laughs> refuses to do the action-adventure.
1: Uh, the next episode is called Angie. 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 Named, Angie,
0: named after the, the Rolling Stones song.
1: Uh, and Well, the, the name of the song is actually Angie, but they mm. put it in twice for no good reason. Uh, it's about an old friend of Danny Wildes who comes into town. Mm-hmm. And Roger Moore in, is convinced... In, in, into Cannes. Yeah, the Cannes Six, Film Festival, uh-huh. actually. And they have a screening. <laughs> um, and everyone is convinced, except for Danny, that his friend is actually a professional hitman. Yep. Danny doesn't buy it. Danny should buy it, because his friend... He's a professional hitman, and there's a whole big shootout, kind of like the end of Heat, and it's like, oh, it's so intense, and then that's the episode. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. There's really not much to it. The next episode is called Chain of Events. And this is the one, this is the camping episode.
0: Yeah. This is the one where um, a guy stumbles out of the woods
1: and chains a suitcase to Danny. Okay, this is a great premise for an episode. This is a premise for a movie. Oh. So they're camping in the woods. Danny is, is is like Tony Curtis is like dressed like a cowboy. He wants to really rough he, it. He's got a, he's
0: got a f- hold on. <laughs> he's got his riding glove, his driving gloves as usual. Yeah, he's got his coiffed hairs, gigantic sideburns, and a dark brown fringe suede jacket. Oh yeah. Because that's what you wear when you camp. Is Absolutely, a dark brown suede fringe jacket. So
1: he's trying to rough it. He's like making his own fishing pole. Mm. Meanwhile, Lord Brett Sinclair has a giant tent with a gas stove. You can get like a, a propane stove, but he's got he's yeah, got a like full size kitchen. He's got like a kitchen in the range in the, in the woods. So roughing it means nothing to him. The only thing is he can't get his paper. Like mm. that's it. Danny runs into this guy in the woods, he's got like, it's like the nuclear football, it's handcuffed to a briefcase, and he handcuffs it to Danny, and then every, like, spies from every country in the world are trying to get at this briefcase. And, and we learn more and
0: more about the briefcase, like, if you tamper with the lock, or if you hit it too hard, it'll
1: blow up! Well, yeah, we find out eventually that there's, like, but Roger Moore is, like, trying to find out more about the briefcase, and he finds out there's, like, a hair trigger on it. It's supposed to, like, blow up, if, like, the flap of a butterfly wing. Meanwhile, Danny is so annoyed at it, he's knocking it against a wall! Like, that. That's literally but, the cut. It is
0: so fucking funny. Th- there's a scene where he has to take shelter in, like, a farmhouse. And, of course, there's a pretty young thing there. And Of course. Uh, what I love is he, the the film is so devoted to its coats hmm. that, you know, he's chained to this thing. And he is like, I need to take a shower now. And he gets into the shower and he takes off his coat and the chain won't let him take <laughs> off his coat. He they, can't slip it over the
1: all the gags they can do with the briefcase Yeah, they yeah. do and that's one of the things that makes it fun they take a simple event mm-hmm. uh, a simple concept and they do everything they can mm-hmm. possibly do with oh, th- it
0: this is one where they do that So sort of the old western trope where they tie the bars to uh, like a, the bars of a prison uh, I think so. They, they tie the suitcase, like they wrap the chain, they put the suitcase inside a prison wall, and then they tie a part of, it's a long chain, so they're able to wrap yeah. it around the, the fender of a car, and they try driving out, and of course they just pull the wall down, I which is say, something you see in cartoons.
1: I think it's worth pointing out, we talked about the sort of James Bond girl nature of the women in Persuaders. Mm-hmm. It is kind of frustrating that there is no like recurring female character. Yeah, and we do uh, meet some really interesting ones along that's, the way. That's what I will say. The, to the show's credit, a lot of, there's, there's the occasional just girl they meet at a bar, yeah. and there's really nothing to it. If a character is brought into the Persuaders and becomes an important part of the plot... Usually they're an interesting character. Yeah. Usually they're well written. Uh, they're snappy. They don't like let Roger Moore into. They, they might concede that they're sexy, but they don't always mm. let him get away with their shit.
0: Yeah, and and in fact, I think it's the the, la- the last or the second to last episode, mm. the the Drie, Rotten Scrambles episode. Yeah, uh, I like that character a lot. I think ah, she should have been a regular part of the show. Joan Collins shows up <laughs> at some point. We'll Joan get Collins. we'll get to her pretty soon. Uh, uh, yeah. The
1: the next episode is mm-hmm. called That's Me Over There. Mm-hmm. Um. And this is one where Roger Moore has taken it upon himself to get his own crime informant? They don't really Well, he ha- like he has everyone. he has one already.
0: Like, evidently it comes up again. <laughs> evidently, they've been doing this so long that now we're in a part of the show where they've been doing shenanigans in between episodes that we're just not privy to. So, yeah, yeah. he's picked up his own police
1: informant. I'm pretty sure this is another episode with the lampshades, but I digress. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, there's, like, some big conspiracy at a big company, and there's an informant who will only speak to Lord Brett Sinclair. The thing is, is that uh, the informant has died— and now their girlfriend or co worker is the only person who has the information, right. so she doesn't know who Lord Brett Sinclair is. Lord Brett Sinclair is busy, so Danny Wilde has to impersonate Lord Brett Sinclair. Yeah. And amongst. Badly. Really <laughs> badly. Have. And then uh, uh, in order to get into the situation, now that someone else is Lord Brett Sinclair, mm. Roger Moore has to pretend to be Danny Wilde really, really badly. badly. And th-
0: this had the, <laughs> one of the funniest scenes where um, he, he buys a mummy. Oh, yeah. This is the, the one with the auction at the end. And, yeah. you know, Danny Wilde is Brett Sinclair and doing his really terrible Cary Grant impersonation because that's all he has. And uh, he has to track down the bad guy during an auction. And so he starts bidding just sort of idly and buys a sarcophagus. Yeah. And, yeah. The, an expensive the, the, sarcophagus? $30,000. 30,000 like 30, pound sarcophagus. And, yeah. yeah. At the I, end. I thought that was really because he realized what he did and he's like, well, I guess he can afford that. and He just sort of like slinks <laughs> out of the room. Like the episode,
1: oopsie. the episode ends with the mummy being delivered, and Lord Brett Sinclair is like, what the, what the, oh. "You know what? Fair enough.
0: Put it over <laughs> by the fireplace. <laughs> I, now, I guess.
1: I I have a mummy now. <laughs>
0: there was there was a mummy
1: episode. <laughs> it's always yeah, a mummy episode when,
0: during this. You know, Brett Sinclair breaks in, and he he he's one of those Brits who only has like two accents. Yeah. And, it's like Ewan McGregor can only do this, like, really broad Southern accent. And good God, I love Ewan McGregor's American accent. But, uh, but yeah, Roger Moore, like, can say maybe a few phrases, maybe, with this sort of cowboy voice. That's all he's like, got. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm wild. <laughs> Were you just hit in the face with a frying
1: pan? Why are you talking like that? The next episode is called The Long Goodbye. Uh, Mm. This is another one where they stumble across a corpse in the woods. This one's in a downed airplane. It's it's, skeletonized. To be fair, it's been there a while. Still, stumble across a corpse in the woods. They're just walking around the woods and they Mm. find a corpse. This happens a lot. This is how I know I'm not the protagonist in my own life. I don't stumble across corpses enough. Well, you haven't yet. Uh, My life, my story has yet to begin. (laughs) Uh, They stumble across this 12-year-old corpse. It has a formula. That will it's replace a, it's, gasoline yeah, it's, as the energy super, source of the
0: world. It's a super fuel. It's it's the same plot as CARS 2.
1: Basically. And a whole bunch of people are trying to get it. And they're trying to track down the daughter of the guy who invented the formula because she's obviously the heir to the formula. Hmm. Um, and like every like rich person who wants the formula sends a different impersonator there's like three <laughs> different women pretending to be the same person uh, and they don't know who is
0: who and that's that's kind of funny I, I was so confused but this is one of the ones i watched late at night so i was mm. kind of tuning out and when they said like and it turns out she's the person too it's like is that the same actress what is going on here or like i was yeah. I, I thought i was hallucinating
1: parts of this no, there's one. three different women they all claim they're the same person only oh. one of them is the real person. Um, and there's two things I, I remember indistinctly about this episode. Mm. Uh, one is that it ends with this young woman finding out, like, oh, well, this millionaire wants to to take the formula and use it in like 50 years and we start actually running out of gasoline Mm. so that we don't like destroy the economy right off the bat and this person wants to release it right now because screw it why wait that long let's help the world now Mm. the world isn't ready i'll just burn it no both of those options were okay (laughs) like both of those options were were adequate options Mm. like at least i would have been okay with either of them like Pref- I, I, have, I have a preference, but like if that's I, fine.
0: I think, I think the, the whole, the world's not ready is just a way of getting back to square one. I you realize know,
1: that, but you're going to weed yourself, gasoline, you okay. monsters. And then the other thing I remember is, uh, this is an episode in which Lord Brett Sinclair has to uh, tail someone, and he commandeers a vehicle, even though he's not allowed to oh, do this, that. This is,
0: yeah, he says, I need your car. Like, who, are you a spy? No, I'm just a guy.
1: <laughs> so he basically kidnaps this woman, but the gag is, she's in a rocket ship yeah this this was so bizarre it's like such I, a weird I, bit.
0: I ran it back thinking i had missed something but yeah like somebody's getting away he looks across the street and there's like a rocket car
1: and a girl in like and, kind of a, a cute space suit like a fake yeah kind of alien and, space suit and it
0: turns out she's like just hawking like a, a space brand soap so uh, space
1: queen deodorant space soap. queen
0: deodorant soap
1: and she's supposed to like drive around and just hand out free bars of soap like yeah. that's a shitty it's, job it's promo thing but like she's the only one who steals
0: the rocket car and drives around this gigantic (laughs) silly looking rocket car you know the most inconspicuous vehicle (laughs) one could possibly steal
1: uh it's pretty fab uh the next episode and and
0: she gets involved in the story too like she has to run interference in one scene and she hates him which i like like Mm. she doesn't fall for his brusque charms
1: the next episode uh is called the man in the middle oh this is the terry thomas episode yeah I love Terry Thomas. Terry Thomas, uh, from the Obama Old Doctor Fibes or Disney's Robin Hood, he played Sir Hiss. Mm. Um, he Feels plays like it's a madman, mad mad world. He plays a character who Danny Wilde describes as what cartoons that make British people look like so you know they're okay. British. Uh, and he's and, got this big lisp, and he's got like he well, always was, looks like he's about to like be go sailing. That
0: was Terry Thomas' shtick.
1: I know. I, I say, "Do you have any tea on you?" Oh dear, I've seem to have
0: broken my leg. Yeah, you know whatever it was. That, that's Terry Thomas, and and he's great because he's, he's great Terry that, Thomas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the gag is that he's Lord Brett Sinclair's cousin, and mm. he's his most embarrassing cousin. He's, and he's like course,
0: a, a mirror image. He's the uh, uh, the the Dwayne Dibley to the cat. If I can drop a a really oblique Red Dwarf reference on you. Anyway,
1: the episode is about uh, Roger Moore uh, trying to help the judge do some conspiratorial business, but he accidentally gets himself framed for treason. Mm. Um, So everyone's out to get him. But damn it, his cousin Archie keeps getting involved and getting in the way. My problem with this episode, Terry Thomas is a wonderful actor. I have nothing against Terry Thomas. Oh. The show does not need comic relief; they're their own comic relief. It, it, it's it's true. So it's really but weird.
0: I I did appreciate that they have somebody who is incapable, uh, sort of lousing up their their rather unflappable capability because it does shine a light on. Like what it makes you ask the question, what the hell are they doing? Mm. It shines a light on how capable they are and how ridiculous that is and how there are people in this world who don't just sort of stumble into adventures and are capable. It it grounds them a little bit. And I appreciate that.
1: All right. So the next episode is the next episode in which Danny Weld is confused for an international man of mystery oh, as he accidentally stumbles across cons- like microfilm. And a bunch of people think he's going to help them plan their heist. The lampshades are back, by the way. <laughs> Fucking lampshades. Just watch. Go to my Twitter feed. I just cannot oh, is, like, escape there's all, them.
0: There's all the gold bullion and there's blueprints in this one. It's yeah, this weirdly, one kinda weirdly kinda elaborate. My brain, it's weirdly
1: you know? elaborate. It's too much like, sim- like the, the, oh. the Russian spy episode. Nothing about it really stands out, to be perfectly honest. But We're just going to kind of move they on. They
0: think that Danny is a crime lord, I remember in this one, be, just because he's American, and they think he's some sort of gangster. And they
1: don't go far enough into where the other guy is. I know he pops up, no, but like, no. it's just sort of like he's impersonating someone. Where's that guy? Uh-huh. Like a huge swath of the episode goes by, and it's like, surely he's around. Yeah. Um, the next episode is called A Home of One's Own, and I actually really like the plot of this episode. Uh-huh. This episode begins with some guy in a country cottage coming home, finding a voodoo doll of... Of him with like a bunch of needles in it and then he gets murdered by a whole bunch of cultists <laughs> and then we cut to like i guess a little while later danny has purchased the country home and is gonna make it his british you know base of operations mm. and he's so excited about it and all he can see we keep seeing his perspective of how it's pristine and beautiful and mm. cozy then we see roger moore's point of view and it's literally falling apart it's like there's a- debris on the ground mold everywhere and yeah and we, we we actually
0: do get to see that sort of hazy lens Yeah, and one it's like this really placid pastoral place the other place it's the house from evil dead
1: everyone keeps talking about this house like it's fucking haunted and it turns yeah. out that uh it's actually not haunted but it's a scooby-doo thing people want, oh. people want people to think it's haunted because they're using it as a base for a counterfeiting operation <laughs> <laughs> in, in
0: the basement there's counterfeiting going on good times I I kept expecting there to be, like, that rebuilding montage, like, from Revenge of the Nerds, where he's just, like, scraping mold and getting into shenanigans, trying to rebuild it. (sighs) There's just Danny. (laughs) I would love to see just a a montage of Danny trying to do chores while not getting anything on his coat.
1: Uh, The next episode is one of my favorite episodes of The Persuaders. I'm a particularly big fan Mm. of uh, uh, the... Football episode where, like, your ch- Danny's chained to a, to a suitcase. That's a great one. Yeah, 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 Five Miles to Midnight is great because they have a proper foil, like someone who really just has as much charisma mm. as Roger Moore and Tony oh. Curtis because they have Joan Collins in this episode.
0: Yeah, Joan Collins plays a really feisty photographer who, within five minutes of meeting Roger Moore, has her tongue in his mouth.
1: Yeah, she's very for- – <clears throat> she's more forward than they are, yeah. which they
0: don't even know what and, to do and with. And, yeah, so he's a little taken aback. Uh, and she is eager to help them out. She's the one who's taking them by the hand and saying, "Well, let's go." Yeah, and it turns out she has a Herkimer battle jitney. <laughs> She has this gigantic armored van for some reason that <laughs> she's just charging around the countryside. It doesn't really work. They think it's kind of ugly, but she's eager to do it. And yeah, it's like this big bulletproof thing.
1: So the idea of the episode is... Um, Who cares? Well, the idea <laughs> That's of the episode all we is, have. They have to, there's this guy, he's a mob informant. They need to escort him out of the country <laughs> and everyone's chasing them in... For those who actually recognize the reference, it's from Mystery Men, oh. uh, a Herkimer battle jitney. So it's basically <laughs> Roger Moore, Tony Curtis, and Joan Collins riding around. It's basically Midnight Run, mm-hmm. but you know, just some guy is Charles Gruden, and all the tension is. <laughs> Joan Collins is someone who I think young audiences don't know. You, oh, probably, I, you probably know Roger Moore because of James Bond. Uh-oh. You may have heard of Tony Curtis. I don't think Joan Collins' legend well, is as um, powerfully and alive as the others. Unless you're familiar with Dynasty, the soap
0: opera, yeah. uh, which she was... That, that was sort of her big role, I think, was Dynasty. But in the 70s, but, she was a sex symbol. Well, she was in a really great... I guess it's just a cult movie now called The Bitch, which is really terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, she played the title character. Uh, and she's also... Um, Edith Keeler in uh, City on the Edge of Forever the most famous episode of Star Trek yeah so she's been around Mm -hmm. in a lot of notable
1: roles but she was
0: she was just she was a
1: big fucking deal this is a cool
0: episode of of the Cullens family too she's related to uh uh, Jackie Collins.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so the next epi- that's So it's a fun episode, and they have mm. a lot of great chemistry together. That's it. It's all chemistry. Um, the chemistry is great. It's a sexy episode. They're having a lot of fun. And it's my, awesome.
0: And my god, the women's hair, especially in this episode, mm. like everyone had a mullet. The women had like these these things that, that yeah, they looked like Mullets. elongated helmets. Like yes. they stuck up off of their heads, and they were so tightly coiffed, like they didn't move. You you could swear they were wigs if that wasn't the do
1: at the time. Uh, the next episode is called Nuisance Value, and it's so elaborate it got annoying. So uh, Danny and Brett have to—there's a young woman who is kidnapped, or they, it, but it's actually a fake kidnapping. Oh, this is a so the
0: Spanish episode. So they yeah, kidnap yeah. her
1: away from her actual husband. And then they're accused of being the kidnappers by the people who hired them to take her away from the kidnappers. But then she escapes, and she gets kidnapped? And then everyone kidnaps each other, and and then no one kidnaps anybody, and then the whole planet is kidnapped, and then... (laughs) The whole planet is kidnapped. (laughs) I I lost track. It's to so many reversals that I just stopped giving a shit, like, real fast. (laughs) Like, just gone. The next episode is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. The Morning After. The
0: Morning After, which is the one where Brett Sinclair wakes up with a new bride that he doesn't remember marrying. And uh, and uh, to cover up the you know, or to not to cover up to investigate who the I, what the identity of this young woman is, uh, Danny teams up with this really feisty sidekick character. It's oh my god! This
1: M- I think other than Sweeti- Joan Collins. Swedish Swedish uh, investigative uh, journalist. I no, think? no, 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 no. She's she's a Swedish judo expert. Judo
0: expert. That's right.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is my other than other than John Collins. And you this know She's my favorite sidekick they ever had.
0: She. There's a judo demonstration. And she actually does real judo
1: Like proper judo Like
0: proper judo Now I I took judo as a kid So I can recognize it when it's on screen Mm -hmm. If somebody hits you That's not judo Judo is when, throws. When when, uh, when Austin Powers said judo chop, it drove me up the wall. Because there aren't chopping, there aren't chops in judo. There's no chopping in judo. It's so, all, it throws, pins, it's like wrestling.
1: So the character is named BB. She's played by Jutta Stensgaard, mm. um, who was pretty, like, she was in a lot of stuff around the time. She was in Scream and Scream Again. Mm. She was Carmilla in Lust for a Vampire. Um, she had a small role in If It's mm. Tuesday, This Must Be Belgium, which is one of my favorite movie titles ever. Um, she was in The Staint. Uh, um. episode of the same as well uh, but yeah well, she's great because not only is she like she fights she does cool stuff she has to fight Tony Curtis and it's fun um, she's so got such a big personality there's this bit where her and tony curtis they are trapped in a they're, basement
0: they're locked in a boiler room yeah they're trapped yeah. in a
1: boiler room and they're trying to figure out how they're going to escape and danny kind of rigs the boiler so that it's going to just blast steam at the door mm-hmm. but he's yeah, trying like to he, aim he, it he
0: finds lengths of pipe and change it, like yeah. aims it toward the he, door he right?
1: macgyvers it basically and but he's like he's trying to aim it and he just says hey bb <laughs> Wave, and she has like the most cheerful, broad. It's almost like like, like TV wave. She's it's, like so the, uh, it's like the it's like
0: the Sailor Moon pose, like yeah. one, one fist on the hip and sort of a, like a hand right in front of your face. Oh my God,
1: it, it's hard to I, I, I can't do it justice. It's just it's such a normal, not interesting moment, and she makes it so interesting and fun. No small like, parts, just small actors. She she steals the episode. Mm. And it's an okay episode. Mm. The whole thing is you know uh, Roger. Roger Moore wakes up married. Is there a big conspiracy? Yes. Yeah turns out there's a conspiracy and we're done oh it's another one where lord brett sinclair's like mansion is going to be used for an important political meeting that that happens rather a lot apparently i I
0: guess that happens to british aristocrats all the time
1: the next episode is called read and destroy this is the joss ackland episode yeah joss ackland the bad guy from lethal weapon 2 Mm. plays a spy who is going to sell his memoirs along with his two wives (laughs) <laughs> he's got two wives, and he's everyone's he's got two, betraying two, two, everyone. Two
0: identities, and the two wives are hanging out together. Yep, and, and yeah, and it turns out there's all this network of blackmail and bribes, yep. and trying to get, trying to get these memoirs
1: off. There's a, there's a fun bit in this episode because Tony Curtis and Roger Moore are each approached by their own respective governments mm. to say, "Hey, we need you to get these memoirs for us. They're full of they're full of important secrets." And they both governments say, "You just have you know, you're going to have to betray your best friend." And both of them are just like, "Great, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> fun." <laughs> They don't care. Good times. They don't give
0: an F. Um, Joss Ackland, I mean, he, he has like a deep voice and kind of a sinister looking face. He's kind of like, he, he plays like, kind of like an evil James Bond. Yeah, he he looked, he looked like a 60-year-old man when he was 20. <laughs> and uh, I was live tweeting the Persuaders. I said, "Old young Joss Ackland looks like old Joss Ackland. Some
1: people- were just never young yeah like, just never what, richard dreyfuss never looked young he, what, richard, he never looked richard old dreyfuss but he never you. he never looked 16
0: that's true he was never sort of like this youthful sprightly guy even when yeah. he was a young kid that's my point um Another one of those is William Hickey, who was playing you know seventy year olds when he was fifteen.
1: Angela Lansbury was playing moms in the forties. Yeah, yeah. when she was young, she was really young. In the
0: Manchurian Candidate, she played the mother of of an actor who was like I think three years younger than she was. Nuts, absolutely
1: nuts. Uh, the next episode is called "A Death in the Family." Mm. This is
0: the Kind Hearts and Coronets episode. <laughs> this uh, is the one where this is the one where Roger Moore gets to have a little fun.
1: Now, a lot of the shows that we do, and indeed a lot of the shows that are even still very, very popular, they'll mm. do episodes which are basically just them knocking off a movie. Mm. Happens a lot. Um this is one I think you'd only do in Britain, because I don't think Kind Hearts and Coronets was all that big over here. So I don't know a lot of Americans who pick up on the reference. I think uh, a lot of, like, cineasts,
0: you know, fa- fans of world cinema definitely know Kind Hearts and Coronets, which is probably the best of uh, the Ealing comedies. Ealing Studios did a very particular mm. type of, um, like, mannered... British comedy. But
1: they did a lot of like sort of uh, mannered British kind of crime comedy. Uh, The Lady Killers which was... And the Lavender Hill Mob. Those are all the the Ealing comedies. Yeah, those are like the big three. Kind Mm. Hearts and Coronets, the Lavender Hill Mob and the Lady Killers. The original versions of all of those are Mm. great. The Coen Brothers remade the Lady Killers. It's not quite as bad as everyone said it was but it's also quite bad. uh, uh, It's uh, also quite bad. It's
0: It's, more good good comic performances and just not a good Mess of a movie. Uh,
1: Kind Hearts and Coronets is about a guy Who's like really far down on the list of, uh, inheritors, who, uh, of yeah. inheritors of a big fortune, of a title, and he plans to just kill everyone in the family. And the gag in the movie is every other person in the family is played by Sir Alec Guinness, including the women, including the women. And it's great, and it's just a whole series of murder gags, mm-hmm. just elaborate murders. Huh. And here huh. in this I, episode, I
0: shot an arrow in the air, she fell to earth in Berkeley Square.
1: <laughs> it's a lot
0: <laughs> because <laughs> L- line a, of a a hot air dialogue. Ballooning uh, yeah, accident.
1: Yeah. He shoots an arrow, hunter balloon goes so, down. So, yeah,
0: um, Roger Moore gets to play several members of the Sinclair clan.
1: Yeah, so it opens including with. Including a woman. Including a woman. Uh, so it opens with Roger Moore as like an old Roger Moore mm. dictating his memoirs about the war. And then a guy <laughs> in his. A, em- a really
0: common British trope. I've seen that in movies and in literature a lot. Mm. It's like Tristram Shandy and. Mm. and uh,
1: Other things as well. Uh, A guy, a a killer, a serial, this is basically a serial killer episode, Mm -hmm. a killer in an Emmett Kelly mask, which is really kind of creepy and weird and presaged a lot of slashers if we think about it. It's the same
0: mask used in Kubrick's film The Killing, I believe.
1: And you might be, yeah, but even so, it's mm. an Emmett Kelly mask. Emmett yeah. Kelly is one of the world's most famous clowns. Mm. Not talked about as often anymore, but he was yeah, very well known at the time. I'm guessing it's a common
0: mask band. Yeah.
1: Probably a relatively common mask, but it's creepy and it plays a bit like a giallo. Um, like a little toy tank rolls up to old Roger Moore. Roger Moore goes, See here now, what is the. Boom! <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And he blows up. It's a bomb in the tank. And uh, there's a big funeral. Everyone in Roger Moore's family comes in to for the funeral. The, the, and the, the, the he is a lord, so he has you know a, a clan. And uh, yeah, and one by one, everyone it is like a whole bunch of Roger Moore's family members die in this episode. Mm. Some of them are really really fun. There's this really neat one where like this bagpipe playing, haggis eating Scottish, mm. uh, no, not was, played by Roger not played Moore, by Roger Moore, but like you know the character super duper Scottish. And um, he's locked himself in his castle. So that no one can kill him. And Roger is like, let's see here, just open the door. And he opens the door, and this giant, like, portcullis gate just falls back on him, and he dies because he opened the door. It's a funny bit. It's a really funny bit. This episode uh, co-stars Desmond Llewellyn. uh, That's right. Who's probably best known as playing Marcus Brody Mm -hmm. in the Indiana Jones movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns out he did it.
0: Not Desmond Llewellyn. Not Um, Desmond Llewellyn. Isn't it? Oh, golly. No, it's not Desmond Llewellyn. because Den oh, Denholm Elliot. Denholm
1: Elliot. Desmond it. Llewellyn was uh, was, was, James, Q. was Q from yeah. James Bond.
0: Denholm Elliot. A lot
1: of James Bond people show up Lois mm-hmm. Maxwell shows up in a future episode. Uh, uh, the, the original M mm-hmm. shows up in an episode earlier than that. There's a lot we, of James We actually
0: Bond uh, skated over this detail before, but in a previous episode, there was a dummy briefcase.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to have important stuff in it, but when you opened, opened it, up, it...
0: It was full of James Bond novels.
1: All the James Bond novels, all including them. several which would eventually be adapted to star Roger Moore. Yeah. Which is pretty fun. Mm. Um, So I apologize. It's Denholm Elliott. It is Marcus Brody from the... Indiana Indiana Jones movies. Jones movies. Um, and yeah, it turns out he did it. He's gonna kill everybody. Uh, Tony Curtis is trapped in a crypt with a bomb while he's trying to assassinate Roger Moore in the mansion. It turns out he's a big fan of
0: like ancient weaponry and poisons, and he ends up trying to poison the the Gal Friday in this episode, and she's too
1: smart for him. Yeah, it's a pretty fun episode. Actually, yeah. I like this one a lot. Mm. Uh, two more episodes. No, sorry, three more episodes to go. The next mm-hmm. one is the Ozerov inheritance. This is the one. Doesn't nothing else matters except Tony Curtis gets the sword fight. A lot, a yeah. lot of sword fighting with Tony uh-huh. Curtis. Turns out
0: he's quite good at it. Yeah, yeah who knew? Yeah, he's, Tony Curtis uh, kicks ass. Well, I mean, he's 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 an old world actor. He's probably studied things like stage combat. He could probably dance a little bit too. We yeah. just never see him do it in the in over the course of the show. This
1: one's the Anastasia episode. If you're familiar with the story of yeah, Anastasia, it's a lo- lost Russian heiress. Yeah, like everyone in the uh, of the Tsar's family was murdered, and there was this old uh, uh, urban legend that the youngest member of the family, Anastasia, may have uh, escaped. Mm. Been raised as someone else, that might one day claim to reclaim the throne. Yeah, um, it's been adapted a bunch of times, but probably most recently and no, notably as an animated movie directed by Don Bluth. No. Um, it's it's a fun story. It's not a lot not a lot of historical truth to it at all. Uh, but in this case, it's actually kind of funny because there's the young princess. Mm. And it turns out that the actual person who's trying to prove that they're real is the countess, like the old lady who, in the original stage yeah. story, was the only one who could confirm. She, by whether the way, is was real. great. Yes,
0: like the the oh golly, I'm gonna look up the name of the actress here, but she's so uh, Gladys Cooper. Gladys Cooper, um, yeah, who plays the elderly heiress. Yeah,
1: she was uh, Mrs. She, Higgins in My Fair Lady. She was in Now Voyager, Song of Bernadette, Rebecca. She don't take no crap in this yeah.
0: episode. She's great. <laughs> she yeah she she is like the ha, like tries to out. Charisma, of Roger Moore, and nearly succeeds. Yeah, yes. is really really terrific. So they have
1: to prove that this lady uh, secretly married an important uh, mm. uh, count, I think, and or a duchess. It's a a, a duke. A she duke. secretly married a duke, mm. uh, but a lot of other people claim that she didn't. There's no proof, and it turns out that Roger Moore's most boring relative kept absurd notes and may have actual mm. evidence that she was genuinely who she said she was. Um, it's a fun episode, but it's, again, it's mostly Tony gets the sword fight, and that's great. Um, <laughs> the bet like, he,
0: oh, golly. Look, I don't know if, like, the upper crust in England actually has swords on the walls. It's a really common trope in movies, though, where people are just sort of tussling in a posh location, and they grab a sword off the wall.
1: Because the, there were swords on the walls, mm. just
0: in case. Just um, in case there was an altercation. I would love to see a modern version of that where somebody like does that in a geek's apartment and he has like a batleth on yeah, one wall and like, the, like the Highlander sword done. on another
1: wall. I and, feel like that's been done. Yeah, I feel but, like that's been done. But
0: they're like actual experts at the, using these weapons. Well, of course.
1: Yeah. It's bat left. Come on. <laughs> the next episode I, is... I've
0: studied swordplay and rapiers and yes, I can use a bat left.
1: <laughs> I, I interviewed um, Richard Harris's son. <laughs> mm. Uh, Jared? Jared Harris Jared Harris Okay yeah. I'm trying to I thought it was Jared Harris uh, Who's a really fun actor I'm a huge yeah, fan great. of him I like Jared And he was a really Really good interview And it was for The Mortal Instruments City of Bones So oh, no one was Taking it too seriously And I just talked to him About Because you get to Fight a lot in this Like what's your What's your weapon of choice And he says Rapier and dagger <laughs> Which is from Hamlet Yeah <laughs>
0: like, so great what, what weapon are they Rapier and dagger That's two weapons <laughs> Remember Osric? Nobody remembers yes. the character of Osric. He was played by Robin Williams
1: in, yeah. in Branagh's version. He's almost always cut out of the play because mm-hmm. he has no reason to be there.
0: He's just there to, he's like a comic relief character at a point where he's not needed.
1: Yeah, and the movies the, the, the movie and play is about to end. Yeah. Like, and we're, no we're, we're
0: getting to like the big climax. Everything's really, building, really tense. And all of a sudden we have this weird comic relief moment with this character nobody
1: cares about. Nobody it. I digress. So the next episode is it predates Dirty Rotten Scandals. I think it even predates the film Dirty Rotten Scoundrels" is based on. Oh, uh-huh. uh, But it's a Dirty Rotten Scandals episode where, uh, in order to protect this young woman from marrying a con artist, both Roger Moore and Tony Curtis have try to, to seduce her.
0: Yeah, have to con her out of marrying this guy. And it turns out, of course, she too is a con artist. And
1: she just conned them both out of $100,000 each. Yeah. That's fun. It's nice to see the tables turn on them because... Mm-hmm. They're not particularly sexist. I mean, it's a sexist time, so you're it's, gonna have to deal with some it, of that. It's a pretty sexist show. It's a relatively sexist show, but it's not like too oppressive about it. It's mm. not like there's no. It's there's just not a lot that, of hatred or mean spirited to it. It's just that the, the women
0: are pretty objects, and the men are, are yeah. aggressive seducers. So
1: when so when the women really stand out, like we said with uh, mm. Yuta Stensgaard or, or Joan Collins, it, it really feels really really refreshing. And in this episode, um, where she gets the better of them, mm. the part of party was just like good. Well, good on her. Yeah, the hell with these guys. And, the and, and they
0: catch her, and you know what? They re- admire her skill in scam- scamming them so much that they're still both interested in her. Yeah, it's pretty great. And she she's done with them.
1: Yeah, she's she's uh, fine. She's
0: played by an actress named uh, Jenny Linden, who... Um, she's been in a lot of British TV. She hasn't been in a lot uh, of, of sort of high note. I think she was in a, like... I think mm. she might have been one of the Doctor who's companions at one point
1: yeah who wasn't
0: but yeah every, everyone was going back to like the 60s but yeah she's also really terrific she has a lot of strength she has a lot of charisma and yeah it was good to see uh, yet another female character who could take him down a peg
1: i apologize dirty run scandals is based on uh the movie bedtime story which does indeed pers- uh, precede the persuaders
0: Okay, so, I so guess.
1: this is this is probably a an, knowing an takeoff on the movie Bedtime Story, right. um, which uh, well, realize it started? Marlon Brando and David Niven. Crap, I need to see that. I'm a, <laughs> Looking up this movie, <laughs> I, I actually never see, I saw Bedtime Story. I need to All see right. that movie. It sounds cool. I love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yeah. is really really funny. I, I guess I need to see Bedtime Story. Cool. I learned a lesson. And then the last episode, um, kind of a bland episode to end it on. No. Uh, it's called Someone Waiting. And it's uh, uh, Danny Weld has a car, and uh, Lord Brett Sinclair is going to drive it in a race. Mm. Someone's trying to fix the race. Turns out, the person fixing the race is Lois Maxwell, <laughs> Money Penny <laughs> from most of the James Bond movies uh, up, up through Timothy Dalton. If, I, I, if think, I recall, I don't think she was in all the Timothy Dalton. I ones. I think she was in the two Timothy, Timothy she, Dalton films. They didn't
0: properly replace her. Oh in no, film you know what? The, the... I, I apologize. She was replaced in the Timothy Dalton films oh, okay. by uh, what's her face in the big glasses. But yeah. Like, through all the Roger Moores, though, she was in a lot.
1: Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, she was through A View to a Kill, and then that, then that was that. Okay. Uh, but she was in all of them. She mm. was fantastic. Uh, everybody loved her. Um, and, uh, yeah, mm. that's, uh, she's, she's the bad guy in this. That's kind of all I remember she, about it. She it's plays kind of a
0: good villainess, and there's some racing cool. stuff.
1: Yeah, that's, that's not a very interesting oh, yeah. episode. It doesn't end with a bang.
0: Well, yeah, and this is not the kind of show that's going to.
1: No, Um, it it doesn't end with its best foot forward. Well,
0: and because the show is so freewheeling, you can't really build ahead of steam. Mm -hmm. Its goal is to be laid back and to be kind of relaxed. So Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense that it would just sort of unwind into oblivion. Um, And that's kind of the appeal of the show. Um, Now we have to ask the question, now that we've gone through all 24 of these episodes after two weeks of chipping away at this thing. Uh, was the Persuaders canceled too soon?
1: Well, I'm actually going to put a put a kibosh on that for a second because I All think right. it's worth noting why the Persuaders was canceled. Okay. It wasn't really canceled because it was a failure. It didn't succeed in the American market, hmm. but there were plans to continue. Oh. It really only it was, it was largely made with British money, so it's a more or less a British show. Yeah, and it was and it was very successful in oh. Britain and in other uh, uh, markets as well. Um, there were there are a couple of competing stories about why the show uh, failed. I believe Tony Curtis. The way Tony Curtis told it was um, they wanted to continue it, but they wanted to continue it with less money Uh because it wasn't as big a hit as they had hoped. And Tony Curtis thought, well, the big appeal is how lavish it is, so what's the point? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's just a simple fact that after The Persuaders, right after The Persuaders, Roger Moore was finally offered the role as James Bond. Mm -hmm. And he took it. And he was busy. (laughs) There was also some talk about maybe continuing the show with different actors, but apparently that obviously didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, yeah, so the characters just sort of faded away, even though it was reasonably well-received. And was it canceled too soon? I'm torn, because on one hand, it's perfectly charming. Yeah. On the other hand, I don't feel like I'm going to remember it too much other than the thing I liked Tony Curtis best in. Yeah. Because um, Tony Curtis really just, like, again, he's a seeing... big movie star, but he's never more charming than he is in this in this well, series.
0: I, I want to compare this to The Man From U.N.C.L.E., which went, mm-hmm. went on for many, many years. Those two guys were so, you know, they're again, we're charming. We have one right. Russian and one American, and they're right. both, like, really well-dressed, really suave, really capable spies. There's a lot more focus to something like The Man From U.N.C.L.E. Well, it had a point. Yeah. It was was about different countries and the Cold War. Well, it was
1: also about the Cold War. And the idea of an American working with a Russian at the time was so taboo. It was pretty novel, you know? So there's a reason why that existed. Um, I've I've read, like, stories when the Man from Uncle movie came out about people who grew up watching Man from Uncle saying, I was a Russian immigrant to America, and here's Russians being shown positively.
0: Yeah. Weird. You didn't see on TV during the Cold War ever. It didn't happen much. It was like Star Trek in this. Yeah. Pavel Chekhov was it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) what a great example whereas
1: the the Persuaders was you know we we kind of already had this the Avengers existed we had you know there were other versions of it
0: this had a little bit of it was an injection of Americanism is what it was it had Mm. that sort of tough frontier spirit in the form of Tony Curtis and I think while Roger Moore was perfectly charming and he's great at being Roger Moore and he dressed everybody unbelievably well and it's great to see him in these posh surroundings Tony Curtis is the soul of the show. Tony Curtis, doing his own stunts, dressed really well, punching mm-hmm. guys, and mm-hmm. adding that kind of brusque frontiersman-like element to the show, uh, maybe sort of proved him to be some sort of weird masculinity deity. Right. He Watching him do these things is so thrilling and so exhilarating <laughs> uh, that it's impossible not to watch him. So even though... The stories are kind of hard to to follow. It's really relaxed. A lot of this the details are interchangeable. It feels like The Persuaders is one of those TV series that, like The Man from Uncle, could have just sort of rolled along indefinitely mm. without the ever it ever having like really a, a great episode or a down episode, whether it really ever came to a head in terms of its themes or its points. This is not going to be a show where we get to know the soul of the characters. Right. It's never going to get too serious. That's fine.
1: Here's my but thing, though. if
0: it had continued for 8, 9, 12 years, it still would have felt perfectly natural. And I think it was set up to do so, and I think I would have welcomed more of it.
1: Here's, here's my thing, though, because I think on some level you do have to... It's one thing if it was canceled because the ratings were low and you know yeah, we yeah. can rewrite history all we want. Roger Moore did become James Bond. Mm. We do have to deal with that. His so, schedule is taken. So here's my thing. Would you have traded? I would have <laughs> traded. Well, here's well, you got to remember mm. Roger Moore's early career. I mean, he was the saint. He was also in Maverick. Maverick was a show mm. which incorporated other Mavericks. <laughs> Maverick was about a card shark. It was an old west mm. show. It's, it had that kind of same adventurous, daring-do, unflappable, mm. you know, macho but, quality.
0: But in the actual American frontier. But in
1: the American frontier. Mm. Um but, like, they had, like, you know, a, a spin-offs of just other members of the Maverick family. One of them was played by Roger Moore. Uh, and what you could do, if you have to get rid of Roger Moore, uh, uh, Lord Brett Sinclair, I don't know, goes missing. Or he's, <laughs> he's, he's actually, he actually gets, like, elevated and he actually has responsibilities in Parliament now. Mm. And Danny Wilde actually ends up, like, hanging out with his cousin. And you have but, another, but, but not Terry Thomas. You have another Sinclair, not Terry Thomas. No, that's, that's a, I wouldn't, that show would get so old so fast. <laughs> but you need like another member of the Sinclair clan, and I got an idea of who you get. Who do you got? Timothy Dalton. <laughs> He's younger. <laughs> He's younger. But that might actually be a fun dynamic. <laughs> Sure, why would, not? Why, why not? We yeah. the stupid old dude in the 70s? Not as much.
0: <laughs> he was around. He was in the light in winter. Why yeah, not? Why yeah. not?
1: Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Like, Timothy Dalton, Tony Curtis, mm. fighting bad guys. I'll watch that. That sounds great. I, I know, Every season, there's a new British actor. A did, new member of the Sinclair family. We've established there's a lot of them. I think he's just teaming up with Tony Curtis. Next th- time, Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> He was also in the lineup. Why not? Yeah.
0: He was also around at the time. Yeah. I think you, you can't get somebody like Anthony Hopkins or Timothy Dalton because they don't have just that boldly testicular
1: <laughs> sex appeal of Roger right. Moore. So you want someone you mean, who is. But here's the deal there were, the idea of the Persuaders is they're both gets. Yeah. Right. Roger so Moore was, a, a, was bigger in TV kind, at the time. Kind of a big star. Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole would have been great. Also in The Lion in Winter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Next next season. Okay, we're out of Peter O'Toole. Who do we get? Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn would have been great. Also in The Lion in Winter. <laughs> Everyone from The Lion in Winter eventually gets to meet in The Persuaders. <laughs>
0: Why not? Get the whole cast of The Lion and Winter. It, right? it! And have them all play ver- various members of the Sinclair clan. <clears throat>
1: if the Persuaders had gone on 100 episodes, we would have gotten more of the same. But I want to do mm. a little experiment with you. I'm going to give you some Persuaders setups, and oh, I want geez. you to try to spin it. Just spin it as fast as you can. Find okay. a Persuaders episode. Oh, my God. Okay, all so. Right.
0: <laughs> this is going to be impossible.
1: Tony Curtis uh-huh. and Timothy Dalton uh-huh. are walking through the woods, and mm. they stumble across a corpse. Go!
0: Okay. Um, it is the... Corpse of um, the ruler of an African nation. Okay, and he was assassinated, but they find that he's been there a long, long time, and they try to look him up, and it turns out he's still in—he's still in power. Ah! And it turns out he was replaced by some sort of double, but he—it turns out that guy. Uh, was brainwashed to think he actually was the original guy and was just an innocent that they pulled off of the street to impersonate this guy so they have to rescue him and find the bad guys who brainwashed
1: him and it turns out that guy who they brainwashed to think he was the leader mm. was actually the leader who had replaced himself in a prince and pauper situation there you and go. they'd never actually assassinated the leader me. of the country and, they, and now they, the leader they of the country actually assassinated
0: some innocent guy the
1: puppet leader of the country was actually always the original leader of the country and they actually didn't need to get involved yeah all right next <laughs> up- taking care of itself all right next okay next uh, episode mm-hmm. Tony Curtis and Timothy Dalton <laughs> stumble upon are him. walking through the woods, and they stumble across a corpse. Go!
0: Oh God. Okay. So um, it turns out it's not. It wasn't a real corpse. It was a mannequin. Ah! They thought it was a corpse, and they 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 picked it up, and it turns out it was just a really really realistic mannequin, which uh, was a discarded attempt to. Uh, duplicate uh, a high lord and make it look like he was dead when really they just sort of kidnapped him and were using him to get uh, secrets to steal money from like his businesses.
1: Okay. All right, next right. They're they trying
0: to replace him with a fake corpse. All
1: right. Next episode. Okay. <laughs> Tony Curtis and Timothy Dalton are driving to a jumble sale. <laughs> Their car breaks down and they walk through the woods and they find a corpse. Go.
0: <laughs> uh, the corpse was a jewel mule It it turns out this corpse is really, really heavy, and they take it to a local pathologist, who's just some guy in a mansion nearby that Mm -hmm. they happen to know, Mm -hmm. which happened in one episode. They had the guy who just had a radiation gun in a house somewhere. (laughs) I think that was in the, the suitcase episode. It was a they doctor. Wanted, it, was a it was a doctor. doctor. They wanted yeah. to x-ray the suitcase, and they happened to know a guy who had an x-ray machine. So they know this local pathologist. It's like, oh, well, it turns out this corpse is like 400 pounds, but it looks like he's just 5'2". How, he, how is he this heavy? And they cut him open. He's full of jewelry. And they were using dead bodies to smuggle jewels into Germany to fund an uprising of some local Russians who were trying to invade Germany. Uh, and it turns out the jewels belonged to an heir, and he was trying to get his jewels back, so he had already infiltrated. I'm getting way off track. You're fine. Here, no, sorry. no, that's, fine. that's
1: about right for a part. Okay, one more. One more. Okay, Tony Curtis and Timothy Dalton
0: okay. are hang gliding
1: when someone snipes their hang glider from a nearby mountain, and uh, they crash land in the forest where they find a corpse. Go!
0: <laughs> well, it turns out they just have to eat that one. <laughs> and then they go about their mystery. They're lost in the woods They're carrying around this corpse They just have to eat him That's it <laughs> <laughs> They compare it to Welsh rarebit yeah.
1: <laughs> Turns out it was the guy Who designed the lampshades
0: <laughs> <laughs> And he was murdered By an, it was like, a, a disgruntled customer It's like customer. the numbers on
1: Lost What do they mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, first is yeah, I would love to see an episode where, like, it turns out the secret was written on the inside of one of those lampshades. Right. You have to, like, cut it open and lay it across, like, a lit background, and there's there a go. map on it or something.
1: But my Okay, in first place, I actually didn't say if they were canceled too soon. My point is I can kind of take it or leave it. Like, it's charming no. enough. But I'm not passionate about it. If this is all we I'm got, not, I'm fine with it. I'm not
0: passionate. I guess, yeah, I don't need more in my life, but if there were more, I would have welcomed it. I, all right, think, I guess yeah, I, I guess technically the, it's the,
1: canceled too the, soon. The I'm point, not passionate the about point
0: it. The point of uh, just seeing those two guys in their coats just being these, like, charming, sexist, a- rich a-holes is thrilling enough that I would take an... I could tune on t- tune into Nick at Night at any given night and see just a new episode that I hadn't seen before, and you know, this is episode one hundred, this is episode two hundred, and I think it'd be great.
1: That's how The Persuaders, I think, is meant to be uh, uh, kind of uh, ca- consumed. casually consumed. Yeah, you want to re- chance upon it randomly. Oh, what a nice little treat! Again, th- mm. the DVD is still readily available, or,
0: or it, it's on after the show you love, and yeah. it's like it's sort of like the app or the the digest after your big heavy drama. And
1: and, and and again, it's on DVD. It's still um. readily available. It's not hard to track down. Um, I think. It's a little on the pricey side, but not that a bad. Little, a little bit, but, um, but you know, there's you get, a lot of you it. You get 24 episodes. It's kind of a big, uh, a big set. Um, it's and and by all means, if it sounds interesting, if it sounds like a show you want, uh, it's worth grabbing. But yeah, don't try to binge it. Like watch mm. an episode a day, or you know, <laughs> or or every couple of days, and you'll get a lot more out of it than I think even we did because you just you sit down with like the episodes just kind of gel together. Yeah, after
0: right. a while. Again, we we had to. We were really trying to get through this one. It's yeah. like one week had passed, and we were only about half, both of us were about halfway through. It's like, yeah. you know, we need to push this back a week. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention at the head of this episode that uh, Persuaders was selected by you, our dear listeners. Oh, yes. uh, this was the result of a Patreon poll. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get to vote in said polls. Yep. Uh, yeah, and we we really, really thought you guys were going to choose Thunder in Paradise.
1: Yeah, the Hulk Hogan sci-fi superboat movie, uh-huh. or TV series. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of requests for that. We thought this was going to be a slam dunk. Thunder in Paradise is also a crazy long show. We would have been in for it, but... Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. Next month, your big poll is going to be for... Um, Uh, For the Cancel two Soon monthly movie, which is exclusive Mm. to Patreon subscribers, in which we review TV movies, miniseries, etc. We haven't set uh, all the parameters for that yet. Uh, because it looks like this month's Cancel Too Soon monthly movie Might be a little late Because you're going out of town I'm going out of town So we're going to have yeah, to Double I'm, up I'm, in I'm, March I'm, for that
0: I'm, I'm having a, a Well deserved vacation But we, so we do I have some,
1: But we do have some Cool stuff coming up Next week's episode Of Cancel Too Soon mm-hmm. Is going to be a real treat We're doing Herbie the Love Bug <laughs> Everyone knows the Herbie movies There was a five episode Television series In about 1982 Starring Dean Jones With Dean Jones The star of the original uh, And the first and third Herbie the Love Bug movies right. um, First, and third, and fifth He shows up in the yeah, He's not yeah. the star of that yeah. one, but yeah. Um, so that was a short-lived Herbie TV series we're gonna be reviewing that, and that is a tie-in because on our other podcast, Critically Acclaimed, which you can listen to on the No mm. iTunes feed or on the SK Plus YouTube channel, uh, this Sunday, Whitney and I are doing mm. an episode in which we review every single one of the Herbie the Love Bug movies. And mm. then if you tune into that and then you hear cancel too soon afterwards, you'll get the entire Herbie the Love Bug saga. Yeah. So next, so if you don't want to hear about the movies, that's fine. The Cancel too soon episode stands on its own. But if you want to get the complete bit, it's a it's a crossover episode. Mm. Check them both out. I think you'll have a good time with our special guest, Herbie the Love Bug. Beep, oh wait, that was the Roadrunner <laughs> What were you doing here? And and do you remember?
0: I think it was last year they pitched that they're going to make a new Herbie series.
1: I'd heard some rumbling, and they kind of such.
0: they buried the lead. They said, and and it turns out it's going to star this hot young Disney star that you know we're too old to know who that person is, but yeah. that this hot young Disney star is going to team up with Herbie and they're going to solve crimes and Herbie's going to talk. And they did.
1: Wait, Herbie talks? Yeah,
0: that, like they they buried down in the episode yeah, that Herbie Her- was a talking car. Herbie doesn't talk. Herbie doesn't talk. Herbie's just a car, man. Herbie's just a car who thinks Herbie. he's people. Herbie is
1: alive. <laughs> Herbie
0: is alive, but and, Herbie thinks and he's we, people. And we learn in the straight-to-TV movie why Herbie is alive. Ooh. The origin of Herbie. It's
1: very exciting. So we're going to get to mm. all of that stuff mm. a little later. And then in March, is it too early to announce what we're doing in March? We're doing we, some we, really cool let's, in March. Let's
0: announce what we're doing in March because okay. I, we, we want to keep so them
1: keep,
0: keep, keep keep hooked here.
1: So we're not going to tell them.
0: No, we no, we are we're gonna tell we are him. Gonna okay. tell him. This uh, now is the time. Because okay. we've teased it before.
1: So uh, so next week, before March, we're gonna be doing Herbie the Love Bug. And then throughout the month of March, we're doing Cops with Robot Partners Month.
0: Yay! One
1: we, of our, we finally have enough. <laughs> we, we, one of our first episodes was for a show called Man and Machine.
0: M A N N, that was the character's name. And it? his
1: partner was a machine, played by Yancey Butler. It's actually, it actually was a very fun show. And we realized that there's like this weird subgenre of TV shows with human cops and robot partners. It's not a huge subgenre, but there's quite a few. And we've
0: already done two. We, uh, what was the other one we did? did oh, golly. Um oh, no, I guess we just did Man and Machine. I think we only just did Man yeah. and Machine. There are, there we, are had other... a, we had others like lined up. We had others lined I was up thinking
1: where... of Tequila and Bonetti. That's that's a dog. But like <laughs> there are there are uh, there are quite a few. We were trying to track down kind of the Ur er example of this, which is a show called Holmes and Yo Yo. Mm. That is actually not available in the English language. There's like a European DVD, which is not in English and doesn't have English subtitles so we, and, and we really can't track it down yet. We, we're working on it.
0: We don't speak the language it's in. So
1: Don't Expect Holmes and Yo-Yo, but we were able to track down enough other failed One season or less television series about human cops and robot partners that all of March is Cops with Robot Partners Month.
0: (laughs) We're finally gonna do, ladies and gentlemen, almost human. That's right. Which we've been teasing since we started doing it. Everyone knows
1: about we obviously we're doing that one, but we and a couple of the others you might be able to guess. We found some weird ones as well that I don't think everyone knows about. It's gonna be a blast. I am so excited. Cops
0: and their robot partners. I am so
1: excited (laughs) for March. It's gonna be great. It's my birthday month. This is a gift to me. It's gonna be real. Really, really cool.
0: Oh, does, um, does that mean I got to choose all the shows in my birthday month? No.
1: Oh. I think it did last year. I though, did didn't last yet? year. Yeah, yeah, it all worked out. So, like, it all worked out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's what's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, meanwhile, uh, again, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash cancel too soon with a whole bunch of different tiers. Uh, we did... Doing a whole bunch of exclusive videos lately. I yeah. uh, hope you're enjoying those. Um, and and we're, be stay- we're going to be hosting our Google Hangout pretty soon for our yeah. top tier subscribers. As soon as you get back, basically yeah, is my plan. Yeah. So like in about a week, week and a half, we'll we'll over the weekend we will set a date on that, mm. and we will we'll do our best to accommodate your schedules. But we, if it doesn't we, work, we want to get starting. as
0: many of you as we as we can. If we yeah. can't, we apologize for that. But yeah. All
1: right. uh, and also you can email us mm-hmm. uh canceled too soon at gmail.com. A lot of people send us suggestions, Some people send us uh questions, Some people send us their memories of watching these shows at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we remember something wrong? Are you uh, do you have any new information to add about these programs? Sometimes they're very well curated and it's easy to track down a lot of info. Sometimes nobody knows a damn thing and every little piece of <laughs> info is precious. Um, so by all means Email us at soon at gmail.com. Do uh, we have a couple of letters we uh, can read? We
0: do. Uh, here's a letter from Richard. Hello, Richard. Hello, Richard. Uh, I have listened to every single episode of Cancel Too Soon. Well, thank, thank, you. thank you very much wow. for sticking with us. Uh, once I hit the 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage, I despaired that you would find anything as batshit insane after
1: that. After Steel Justice, the wait is over. Yay! God, Steel Justice is over. So oh weird. my god! If we can just find one of those things a year, just one completely one, crazy, totally off the wall, fucking insane show a year, I'll be so happy. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I have to congratulate you on
0: a successful search, though I feel badly for having to actually watch it. I have to say that cocaine must be one hell of a drug.
1: Cocaine is one hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> explains a lot of the shit we have to review. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, oh, this is uh, about uh, a, It's just a suggestion.
1: Okay, um, we don't read all our suggestions because yeah, if they so, qualify, we if, just put it. it's a list. just
0: a, a suggestion, we'll just put it on the list. But here's one from uh, just signed letter C. Hello, Ooh, letter C. Spooky. Um, hi, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. If there's a good show you wanted to watch, I'd really recommend Wonderfalls. It's on the list. We, we, actually, we actually have, have a copy. Yeah. Uh, on the DVD extras, the producers talk about where they would have liked the show to go, so that would be a well-rounded package. So Yeah, yeah that's if, good. if we watch wonderful, thanks for that tip because uh, yeah. we typically just watch the show.
1: Yeah, and we, we do we as have much the research DVDs, as we yeah. can, but, you know, mm. it, the special features, a lot of shows that are kind of mm. cult hits have a lot of special features and it's hard to delve into all mm. of them in the time that we have.
0: Uh, the crap show I would like to recommend to you uh, is Taxi Brooklyn. Somebody's recommended Taxi Brooklyn before. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's taxi, but in Des Moines, but it's Luc Besson. So how could it be Ugh, This is the only show I've ever hate watched. <laughs> it's full horrible for horrible cliches, and while it's like a it's like a class on how not to write. So <laughs> tough female cop who explains in a sentence why she became a cop. The Frenchman who talks about Frenchiness, an artificial premise about why a taxi driver works with the police. The show just sort of gives up mid scenes mid season. The saving grace was a season finale that, spoilers, seems to end really badly with the assumption that there'd be a next season. So it just seems like a really dark ending. It's on Netflix.
1: <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Yeah. We'll, we've had enough requests for that. We're going to seriously mm. look into doing that. Obviously, the next month is planned out. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll we'll um, Taxi Brooklyn is on the list. We mm. promise you.
0: Uh, Cecil writes in and says Cecil writes in pretty frequently. Hi, Cecil. Uh, guys, there's a TV movie where Scooby-Doo and the gang mm. uh, fight a witch with kiss. Ah yes. Who use their he kiss the band. Yeah. Who use their music to activate their magic powers. Mm. Some movies don't need to be in cinemas, but my god, this one needs to be seen by
1: everyone.
0: What is your favorite TV uh, movie on TV and why is it this one?
1: Oh that's mm. what's our favorite TV movie? Yeah. That's a tough one. Um I'm a big fan of a lot of mm kind of less popular ones like here's a great one i'm a huge uh this might not surprise you i'm a big movie history nerd mm. um and there was a really fun it's not a great movie in a vacuum but if you know citizen kane it's great rko 281 oh
0: there you go that stars, is a good one stars
1: leif schreiber as a young orson wells and it's all about the production of citizen kane mm. well uh, uh james cromwell plays william randolph hearst melanie griffith is in it as well um and yeah, it's just a super geeky, nerdy every detail about the production of Citizen Kane, mm. the difficulties it had getting seen after Hearst found out it was all about him. Um, it's a treat. I, yeah. I really like it a lot. That's a, that's to, one of my favorites. I don't know if it's my number one. I'm trying to think of any like movies
0: that were made for TV that I was really fun. What I did like is you know before the advent of the VCR mm. uh, you just had to watch movie and if you could weren't going to go to a theater you could just watch movies on tv they would program more films yeah the movie on, of the week was on actually network big, TV.
1: it was a big draw for ratings uh,
0: however there were always really strange foibles about air, broadcasting films on tv first of all they had to be uh, like pg
1: at best like, yeah, you or have, cut down to pg less it ex- had to be
0: acceptable for uh, for television i remember and,
1: back when they used to like actually like put bars on top of nudity yeah, rather than cut yeah, the yeah. scene or shoot it differently or
0: uh, strangely i remember watching the shining on network tv and they left in the nudity in the scene of like the woman getting out of the tub they
1: left in the nudity they left really? in the nudity i don't remember that that's crazy yeah
0: i, I guess but they censored out the cussing they replaced the cussing so it with like much cussing that's crazy not a lot but it's they they remember. replaced the cussing with just less with tamer words mm. and i remember <coughs> seeing blazing saddles oh my God. broadcast on tv no how does that work yeah blazing saddles is a really kind of a rough film it's an r rated film a and a it really deserves aff- it
1: it's a kind of intentionally right. really offensive film Yeah, that's, with a lot that's of the terrible language and a
0: lot of terrible language so they had to cut out a lot to make it uh, acceptable for tv broadcast now after they'd cut out all the offensive material it was too short for tv broadcast so mm. what they did is they found del- deleted scenes oh yeah i love it when they do that put them back in which at the time you couldn't get those anywhere this was before dvds you couldn't get these special features even when they released them on dvd you didn't necessarily see those missing scenes yeah so for many many years i had memories of seeing blazing saddles on tv and having a scene where like mongo gets in a diving suit and has to like find find treasure and like a dive i remember that and a diving bell and uh, the trick was he had to, like, insert money so he could keep on getting air, and that was one of the ways he was able to trap Mongo. That's not in the <laughs> final film. <laughs> because, it, A, it would have just slowed the film down, and it's absurd, so I'm glad they cut it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it felt like this extra little treat.
1: I remember uh, all the fun different ways that they would uh, uh, cut out or redub mm. swearing. Yeah. Because you knew the character was swearing. Uh, uh, what they ended up deciding to do was just sort of, like, like, muting the volume just for that word mm-hmm. and they got away with it fine like it, yeah. it wasn't a big deal it was always distraction I heard a lot of bleeping but what I loved was when they had a different version of the line yeah would like there was there's like a TV version of Goodfellas I think where instead of saying motherfucker uh. they say motherfather.
0: father yeah which is yeah. a great thing to yell or and you mother, father, you son of a beach towel. Yeah, that's the best version. version
1: of this ever was in Die Hard Two, mm. where <laughs> instead of saying instead of saying Bruce Willis has that line and he does yeah. it in all like the non PG thirteen Die Hards, Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. No,
0: uh,
1: in Die Hard Two they changed it to Yippee Kaye, Mister Falcon. <laughs> You became Mr. Falcon. None of the characters in Die yeah. Hard 2 are named Mr. Falcon. It is my understanding. I, I it's been a long time since I've seen it. There's an early scene where all the bad guys are getting like you know all their stuff together all their like equipment and their guns and everything it's like, everything's ready Mr. Falcon like they added one line in oh, ADR to justify it uh, <laughs> that's how I remember it I honestly don't yeah, remember I,
0: um, all the details there, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is an MF factory and yes. uh, he, he, he says the word better than anybody I think he invented oh, yeah. it <laughs> and uh, he went back in time and he invented the word um, in the TV broadcast of Pulp Fiction <laughs> he said say what say what again I dare you I double dare you little sucker okay which and you know he kind of moves his head so you can kind of get away with that one yeah but when they did snakes on a plane ah, yes. where they added the MF word after the fact to because somebody thought that would be funny yeah, like, like, It was. like one of the best. Some, somebody came up with a meme and that ended making its way into the final cut of the film the,
1: everyone's ideas of what snakes on a plane should be ended up being better than what snakes on the plane was so they changed, they changed snakes, snakes on, on the plane, plane to, plane to like be they, more like the they,
0: memes they added more violence and nudity yeah. it was supposed to be PG-13 and it's like you know we, we did a sex scene where like a snake fights a breast that's what yeah. we're gonna have now um because <laughs> that's the kind of movie people wanted I suppose it's terrible I mean, and no one would
1: to see it that's and, scary.
0: The, <laughs> and then they broadcast it on TV and you know the, the 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 iconic line says I've had it with these monkey fighting snakes <laughs> on this Monday through Friday plane <laughs> and, and I bet we'll you know Samuel L. Jackson is Game enough that he would go in and actually record that line in ADR. Mm. He would probably even reshoot the scene where he actually said that out loud.
1: If memory serves, there's a special feature on the Hot Fuzz DVD or Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Hot Fuzz, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, directed by Edgar Uh Where you know it's it's a cop movie. They had a bunch of swearing in it, and they decided to shoot alternate versions of the scenes mm. with safe for airplane, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, language. Like, so which, there's a which whole you ma- can find. Yeah.
0: there there are there's, actually a lot of like. Safer versions like of, of certain yeah. rougher language, in, and in a lot of
1: but, but like on the DVD, there's a montage of, of all the alternate takes, or instead of saying Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. it's Simon Pegg going peas and rice. <laughs> okay, and it's really funny, yeah, it's really funny. They, they, and you they know embraced
0: what? it, they knew o- it was gonna happen. Often, the tamer version is funnier. Um, well, did, if
1: it's fun, if it's a comedy, that's great. I
0: suppose so, but um, if if you've ever heard um, Adam Sandler's Ode to My Car, which, mm. again, now we're straying into songs, but uh, mm. it, it's a song where it's kind of this Rasta song, and he sings about how what a horrible piece of crap got his car a is. a
1: piece of shit car. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: They can't play that on the radio, nah. but they did play it on Dr. Demento, and that's on the radio, and he had to play the censored version. And when they cut out, when they bleep out all of the cuss words, it's actually way funnier. Because mm. they bleep it out with car horns, and there's so many cusses that, like, so much of the song is obfuscated. You become you know, begin laughing just hearing how little of the song you're actually hearing. There's a really good gag. And it's gag. actually, like, a genuinely better object of comedy than the one with the cusses in it. There's
1: a really good gag in mm. the underrated and rarely talked about uh, uh, spoof movie Johnny Dangerously. I love Johnny Dangerously. That's a funny movie. It funny. Michael Keaton, and it's basically, it is to mob movies what Airplane was to disaster movies. Oh, and there's a character who cusses a lot. Joe but Piscopo's he, character. Yeah, Joe yeah. Piscopo, he, he cusses a lot, but he cusses... No, I don't think it's Joe Piscopo. I think it's one of the side characters, isn't it? No, it's Joe Piscopo. But, but he, cusses, he cusses in, like, safe-for-TV cusses. Well, he has, so he says, he has you a, farging ice hole.
0: He, he has a strange accent, so whenever he tries to cuss, he says the wrong word.
1: But I remember Joe Piscopo she's, actually she's, yeah. talking pretty normally, like, Hey, you shouldn't kill a guy, Johnny. Hmm. My mother killed me Once. <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look I mean, that up. I don't think that was Joe Piscoll. Let's read another one.
0: Anyway, here's uh, here's one from Charles. Hello, Charles. Yeah. Uh, first, let me tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. Oh, oh, oh thank, thank you. Thank uh, you. It makes my 90-minute commute to work fly by. Soon we will celebrate what is arguably the most ex- exacerbating of human holidays. It's no St. Patrick's Day. I speak, of course, of April Fool's Day. Ah, yes. I su- We've had some suggestions for what to do on April yeah, Fool's we, Day. Yeah, we have. Uh, I suggest that this April 1st, you review the first season of Game of Thrones... But tell everyone that it was canceled after the first season, and then pretend the show is complete human excrement. It was the worst TV show ever made. Really sell your hatred for the show, push people's buttons. Then when you're signing off from the podcast, say April Fools. Um, I could do that. I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so ah. maybe I would hate it. Maybe I think maybe I do think the show is excrement. Maybe I love it. I, don't uh, I haven't seen Frame One of Game of Thrones.
1: To correct ourselves, uh, the guy who said things like "Fargan ice hole" was a oh. character named Roman Troy Maroney, who was actually played by an actor named Richard Dimitri.
0: Tree. Oh, I thought that was—I thought it was Joe Pisco.
1: The Joe Piscopo is right? in it, just a different character who has that—that oh, okay. that ga- that that, line, that gag. All yeah, right. the different line.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, he says uh, he continues. If this prank is successful, perhaps on future April Fool's days, you could review the first seasons of other critically acclaimed, long-running shows such as *Mash* or the reboot of *Battlestar <laughs> Battles Galactica* or *This Is Us*, but pretend that they were terrible and canceled too soon. Well... We're not here to say to find shows that are terrible. We're not just here to find shows that are yeah. didn't live very long. It,
1: it's a funny idea. Yeah,
0: then maybe five idea. or six years from now on April Fool's Day, you could review a multi-season terrible show like The Royals, but pretend it was canceled after the first season and was great uh, for your non. The Royals
1: was great. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I, like the I, Royals. I guess he doesn't like the Royals. All right, fair enough. And if he makes a few suggestions. Um, if, that were from from recent TV memory that were canceled to Shoe Soon Forever, which we have on our list. Uh, yeah. The Crazy Ones, which I don't think we do. I don't think we have and on And the, the Michael list. J. Fox show.
1: Uh, also on the list, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, warmest regards, Charles. Thank you for writing in. Charles.
1: Yeah, we've had some suggestions for that. That's a funny idea. Uh uh-huh. um, I don't know. We didn't do an April Fools' episode last year, did we? No, we didn't really. No. Okay. Well, we'll consider doing it. We have April Fools' plans for for uh, critically acclaimed. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> uh, our, our movie review show. We do have plans for that. Actually, for the whole month oh. of critically acclaimed. But um, yeah. No, we don't have. Uh, we'll think about that. We'll think about we'll it. We'll think about that. It's a fun idea, regardless. Mm. Thank you.
0: Uh, kind of kind of fake people out. I th- I think we did do an April Fools' gag, didn't we? Where it was like a different version. It was a different show with the same title. I think we did something like that. Um. Anyway, I forgot. I know, I forget too. Yeah, um, here's a letter from Francis, and uh, this is very critical of us. Uh, oh, dear. Francis writes, I highly enjoy the show and have checked out a number of the C2S shows as a result of listening. Oh, that is critical. The, uh, <laughs> the only issue I have with the show is the opening. Uh, I went back and listened to the early shows, and I really liked getting right into the show rather than the current lengthy opening mission statement and long theme song, uh, as appropriate as it may be for the podcast's conceit. Uh, I'm not looking for a return to the slow jam R&B opening. Please don't. <laughs> 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 but a quicker intro would be quite welcome. I say this as someone who hates the fact that current TV shows rarely have good opening themes and abhors abor- ab- the skip intro concept on Netflix. I just think yours could be quicker. Um, yeah, I, can, I see uh, that. I see that. Um, the, can, sl- the slow jams was a little bit unexpected. And we, 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 we commissioned a, a theme song and we weren't really sure what we were going to get, and we didn't expect that. No, so we kind of rolled a with a it for what we had. Um uh, and now uh, we've commissioned uh, my 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 friend Andy Hentz, and he did yeah. this really terrific theme song. We like it so much we're just going to keep it, I think. Yeah, um
1: if if a lot of people complain, I mean I, I'm I'm open to it or maybe uh-huh. like truncating it a little bit. Um the thing is is, you know, it, it's okay to skip ahead a little bit uh-huh. if if it bothers you. Um but we're not disregarding criticism. That's valid criticism if yeah. other people uh complain and would prefer that the theme song be shorter, uh-huh. less know yeah. Um and we'll take that into under advisement and uh, we can probably yeah. uh, do a do a quicker version sometime. So
0: I I probably get our, our same composer to maybe do a truncated version. Yeah, just just I, to I cut do, it off at some point. Yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah. let us know if anyone else has that problem. If it's if it's yeah, one I, person valid critique, but yeah. if everyone else likes it, we're going to go with the majority vote.
0: Um, and he also suggests the Elvira
1: show for we us to w- cover. We want, I really to, want to do, do the Elvira. Elvira show. It's basically yeah. Bewitched, but Elvira was yeah, more or less. was the witch. And that's such mm. a great premise. I don't know how that didn't go to series. That says, <laughs> I, maybe the show was terrible, but man, I, I want to see that.
0: Well, here's the thing about Elvira. She kind of deliberately... Cassandra, Cassandra Peterson knows who, what Elvira is. Yeah. And knows that the cheapness of Elvira is a big part of the character's appeal. Yeah, Elvira can never do anything big and sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> That's not... Elvira. Elvira's been in two movies, and they're mm. both... Like, one was a theatrical release, one was barely a theatrical release. Yeah. They're both really low-budget, and they're both have really loose stories. Okay, You don't need a big uh, to platform be, for Elvira. Uh, uh,
1: Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the first Elvira movie, uh-huh. is quite good. It's quite good. Yeah, it's actually a very, very funny but movie. But it's uh, cheap and silly and yeah. covered with dumb innuendo. It's not it's, as, it's, it's not as it's, cheap as you might think. Like, it's a real movie. Yeah. Haunted Hills... That's a cheap movie. That's a cheap movie. That's, that's, and, it, and it's a, I remember chuckling a bit. It's nowhere near as good as the, as the first one, but mm-hmm. I remember like I'm being an Elvira fan, um, watching him going, eh, I've seen yeah. worse, but like,
0: <laughs> but uh, Cassandra Peterson was approached by, I think it was Mac or some really like high profile makeup company saying, oh, yeah. Hey, you're Elvira. Your makeup is really iconic. I think Cassandra Peterson has like, she can put on the Elvira makeup in like 15 minutes now. She's <laughs> yeah. like down to a science. Um, but they, they wanted to do an Elvira line of cosmetics. And mm. it's like, you know, big, fancy eyeliners and the, the pale skin and the, the big... Makes sense to me. Do the Elvira makeup and we're going to tie it into Elvira. And she's like, you know, you're, you're Mac. You're a really high-profile makeup company. I'm Elvira. I can't, <laughs> I, Mac, is not, Mac and Elvira are not a very good match. And she actually said this to Mac. Unless I can smell the drugstore on my makeup, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Like she wants something that comes like a Good tube that comes in a blister pack, and you get for a dollar ninety nine at Co- you know at Costco or something. Good for her. That that's her I'm vision such of life. I'm a huge fan yeah. of
1: Cassandra Peterson. She's so. Re- I'm sorry. I, I, I I don't care how bu- buzzy this sounds. Uh, her realness is so real. Even when she's <laughs> fake. Even when she's fake. Because obviously Elvira is, is a persona. Uh, um, she's so just committed to it. She's so... Yeah, yeah. God, I love her so much. We uh,
0: we have an... We've drank it, but we have an empty bottle of Elvira's uh, macabre Ooh. <laughs> her wine.
1: Which that is the best
0: Which is as classy as she got. And evidently, it's... It, it, I, I drank some. It's pretty good wine. I'm not a wine expert by any means, mm. but it was pretty good wine.
1: Elvira is one of the few people I have mm. ever actually stood in line to get an autograph from.
0: Yeah, uh, And she's one of the ones you're going to want to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she, yeah. she
1: was a delight. And uh, uh, turns out after I got her autograph, I was like, yeah, it was at Comic Con, Mom, and I got Elvira. it. was like my first Comic Con. <laughs> I, I, I was at Comic Con, I got Elvira's autograph, and my mom was like, oh, that's great. Did you tell her we said hi? What? We no. were neighbors. <laughs> My parents knew Elvira. Like before she was Elvira, my parents oh, knew Cassandra really Peterson. Funny. I'm like, you. How did you never tell me that? That's Cassandra, so cool.
0: Cassandra Peterson, star of Beyond Westworld. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll read one more letter one more uh, Here's a letter from Augie Hello Augie uh, Hello. Hi guys Long time listener Second time emailer I want to let you know That the 90s band names Are rapidly co- becoming My favorite segment on the show Yay And I'm willing to pay Top dollar for a Cancel too soon 90s band festival t-shirt Alright we
1: have to do right, it right, now right. We've I had have, enough requests for I have just
0: one contribution At some point in the 2000s The 90s band That I never actually formed Was going to be called Intravenous Cheese <laughs> It's a good one. So, that That's sounds, a good one. So, sounds like a, a Primus EP. It's a good uh, one. On an unrelated note, I'd like to make sure that your endless list includes The Prisoner. We'll do the Prisoner what? miniseries on a special event, maybe, but more importantly,
1: we're going to be doing the remake. <laughs> well, the remake was supposed to be go to a whole series, right? Wasn't no, it? No, I
0: think it was also just a miniseries. Okay,
1: because that's the thing with the Prisoner. There's some argument over whether or not it was supposed to continue. Yeah. It's, um,
0: it, it's widely accepted that it was a miniseries, even we, though it's kind of a season of TV. We
1: we need to cover it in some capacity, because yeah. it's just kind of the elephant in the room. But yeah, yeah at some point, we'll talk about the Prisoner and uh, he, the Prisoner. He
0: says uh, there seems to be uh, certain DVD releases that split the show into two
1: seasons they are wrong they are wrong
0: uh, i'd also like someday to hear your opinions on the remake since i refuse to watch what i assume was a steaming pile myself thanks for the great <sighs> show Augie. yeah i didn't
1: see the remake obviously i'm a huge uh, fan of the original who isn't um and if you've never seen the prisoner because mm-hmm. you're young or you never missed it or, or just for some reason never heard about it it's fucking great <laughs> uh, patrick McGoohan probably best known uh, today as uh the king from braveheart yeah. Um that's probably like his better like his most of his nineties role, I guess. The trouble with Scotland is that it's full of skunks. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's almost a camp performance, but he's great. Yeah. Um and he's he was an incredible actor. He was a star of a spy series called Secret Agent Man. Or just Secret Agent.
0: It was just Secret Agent? Yeah. The theme song was Secret Agent. That's where I'm confusing it.
1: Okay. Um, And he did, after that series ended, he did a series which was kind of a sequel to it. They never really explicitly said it, Mm. but it was implied that it was about his character who was like a, you know, James Bond type super spy, that he had found out about some sort of weird conspiracy in the government, and he was going to tell everybody, he was going to be like, he was going to blow the whole thing wide open, Mm. and then he's drugged and he wakes up. In the In the village. Which which is basically like Disneyland.
0: This weird But, but like everyone's brainwashed to be super happy yeah. and it turns out it's they're all ex spies, but they can't ever say anything because the people who are in charge are trying to figure out why he quit and get secrets. Yeah. But the ways they do it are like by manipulating reality around oh them. God, it's so weird.
1: It's hard you to describe. You don't know
0: where the village is. Their security measures are gigantic inflatable rubber balls that can chase you and yeah. smother
1: you. It's really creepy. I remember uh, uh, I first heard about the prisoner uh-huh. on a television special hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Oh, I and saw this television. Yeah, it was from all the, about the museum of television and radio. Yeah, it was all about, like, the history of sci-fi television. I tape, you know, I taped that. I watched it yeah. more than once. And there was, yeah, there was, like, stuff about, like, the Time Tunnel and all these, like, the, great the, old sci-fi the,
0: shows. That Twilight Zone from the 80s that yeah. people like for some reason. So,
1: like, back when these shows, like, weren't available on home video or anything like that, you only kind of heard about them through this way, and um, his introduction of The Prisoner was so great. Yeah. And he just talked about, like, yes, Patrick McGowan played, I'm, I'm, I can't do a letter yeah. anymore, Patrick yeah. McGowan played a spy, and he discovered a secret in, in the Uh, In his organization And what they did to him is so shocking You may want to prepare yourselves For what you are about to see and then it's the village and it's cute and it's chintzy <laughs> it's like you're living in a mini golf course and it was just it was just the, the perfect way it was the perfect way to set it up it was
0: so cool well and i watched and the he, prisoner is amazing and he's he stages you know this is leonard nimoy he's been on star trek you know yeah. one of the most popular tv science fiction tv shows ever and he says under the two greatest science fiction tv shows of all time we're going to talk about now one was the twilight zone and the other is the prisoner like, you're Leonard Nimoy. What about Star Trek? <laughs> what about
1: Star Trek? <laughs> yeah.
0: What about Star Trek? Going to talk about the prisoner now. Okay.
1: Just about. Yeah. This, this is a really good argument to be made. Yeah, if you haven't seen the prisoner, it's uh, I, it was on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is so cleaned up and gorgeous, by the way. I'm so yeah, glad I own yeah, yeah. it. Um, but I think it's still available. But you should mm. definitely check out the prisoner if you can. It's mm. so fucking cool. So we'll cover the prisoner and the other prisoner at some point. Yeah, the that's other, a good idea. The
0: other prisoner was like this weird, like virtual reality. Like he's living in two. Like his I, consciousness is experiencing two realities. It had a good cast. I had like Jim, Jim Caviezel and Cillian McMillan, and was number two.
1: Yeah, that's that's good yeah. casting. Like the, it, the main, it sounded intriguing. The main
0: character has no name. He's just referred to ever as number six. Yep. And the bad guy is number two and number two is like a rotating bevy of villainous British character actors.
1: Yeah, you, you dressed up as number six for Halloween
0: once. I, I did. I did, yeah. 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 Um, I still, I think I, oh no, you know what, I, I disassembled the code. I don't have
1: it anymore. You still have the pin though, right? I still pin, have the pin. Yeah, okay, good. You I don't get I rid I made of it. I made the number six button. It's pretty sweet. Um, so that's canceled too soon. mm mm-hmm. Uh, Again, join us next week. Uh, The next episode will will pop up before the end of February because we want to devote all of March... Mm. The way cops it should and the be, robot partners. cops and the robot partners. Uh, but the next episode will be about Herbie the Love Bug, the short-lived live-action Herbie the Love Bug television series, and it will tie into our next episode of Critically Acclaimed, where we're going to talk about all the Herbie the Love Bug movie. So, by all means, check them both out. If you listen to Cancel Too Soon and you haven't heard Critically Acclaimed, which is on the Schmoes No iTunes feed, you subscribe to that feed to get a whole schedule of programming. Our show is on Sundays. Um, it's it's. Right there. It's also on <laughs> SK Plus on YouTube. If you don't want to go to all those links, you can check that out there. And then in all of March, Cops with Robot Partners. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and don't forget uh, all the other things. We're on Twitter at CancelCast. Oh, I'm at Whitney Seibold. And I'm at William Bibiani. And um, thanks for listening, everybody. That is a wrap. And we will see you next season. <laughs>